Episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on November the 28th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the second most cynical man that I know. <laughs> Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played these last two weeks, haven't taken a week off for Thanksgiving. We will be discussing this month's game club, Rebel Galaxy. We'll be telling you what our next game club game is going to be. We're going to have a general update on the state of loot boxes. We're going to be discussing the Golden Joystick Award winners. We're going to have our weekly community corner. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. How are you? Uh, I'm awake. That's a start. That is a start. Yeah, we're having to record a little bit earlier now, but eh. I mean, it's not like people send in stuff anyway. They will for next time. VGLpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> also video podcast on twitter yeah whenever you guys find out what our next game club game is going to be you will write in won't you yes i'm shaking my head yes shake with me okay wouldn't that be nodding i'm nodding my head yes <laughs> yes yes you are correct sir i'm vigorously nodding my head <laughs> do you guys like i do my son okay now what did i say no and then, and then when he finishes <laughs> Now say yes, sir. Good job. And then he gets a cookie. Sometimes. So now I'll press the button? <laughs> and get a cookie. <laughs> oh. Did you have a good Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah, it was about normal for me, but... Mm. Well, that's good. I mean, it could have been bad, so... We had a, a pretty decent Thanksgiving. It was just Katie and I and the kid and my parents... Everyone else that was supposed to come to our house for Thanksgiving either changed their plans or got sick. So we were all just like, fuck it, we'll eat this 22-pound turkey by ourselves and all of our food that we made for 10 people. That's fine. And we're still eating it to this day. That's <laughs> so many leftovers. And my parents are on this uh, strict no-carb diet. It's not... No carb on on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, they they cheated on Thanksgiving, but that they didn't take hardly any leftovers home because they're like, well, all of that stuff is starchy and carby, and we don't eat that stuff right now, which, I mean, it's working for them. It's they starchy, lost... carby, and delicious. It is. They both lost a bit of weight, especially my dad. So, you know, I don't blame them, but it's like, well, this is just what we're eating now. This is This is it. And we've been eating, we've eaten leftovers, both of us, at least twice a day for nearly a week and there's still lots of leftovers left you have a feeling that we only have uh turkey well once or twice a year depending on how you uh, serve at christmas because we're sick of it (laughs) after about a week after thanksgiving probably we do usually three or four turkeys a year although part of that is because mom and dad on their animal farm raise turkeys so occasionally they'll they'll kill turkeys like they have to slaughter them for whatever reason got too many or there's like diseases spreading so they have to take them out of the herd and so we'll have turkey a few times a year more than i guess the average person even so we still only have turkey like four or five times a year but i mean it's like the probably the only one of the only foods you cook that it's like ah we have made way way too much on purpose so now we will have turkey for days or weeks in our case well thanksgiving is a feasting holiday 
It's a very American holiday, <laughs> whenever you think about it. Well, it not is. just the origins of it, but just how it's celebrated. Eat way too much and watch sports. Mm-hmm. Or try Unless. to pretend that you care about sports. Oh, I th- we didn't even have to pretend this year. My parents don't give a shit about sports. We don't care about sports. So we talked about other things, like movies. Turn on Rocket League, watch uh, <laughs> insane things there. <laughs> and I convinced my dad over Thanksgiving that net neutrality is a good thing. Yeah, a shame but that doesn't really matter now. Nope, not really. But it's small victory. Small victory, indeed. Um, we uh, are on a little bit of a tighter schedule than usual, and we've got quite a few big topics. So just to make sure that we're we're going to be fine, why don't we just go ahead and move right on to the games that we played. These mosey on weeks. along? Yeah, let's mosey on over. Okay, so let's start off with, well, mine as per usual, but a mobile game, Fire Emblem Heroes. This Oh shit, I forgot about one of my games altogether. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Carry on. You know you could have just done that silently. <laughs> I could have done that silently, but where's the fun in that? <sighs> Carry on. Actually, that's more of how I feel about Fire Emblem Heroes in general. It's... it Well... It's one of the better strategy fighters, but the thing is that it doesn't really enthuse me because it's one of those games that is for fans. And if you're not a fan of the series, you have no idea what the hell. <laughs> they don't really go out of their way to try to explain any of the mechanics outside of the very basic. Okay, now, fighters that have a red grouping, which is about three or four different weapon styles are uh, strong against green, which green is strong against blue, and blue is strong against red. But all the heroes have different stats, and they never really cover that, so there was a couple times that I didn't realize that I was going into a fight that, yes, I technically had the advantage, but because I was running a weaker hero, because it's the the gotcha style, you know? Or gotcha. Gotcha got (laughs) you. Gotcha. Where you have a bunch of heroes, uh, uh, yeah, there's hundreds of them in this game. And, uh, they're all different star rankings. So if you don't have, you know, your top star heroes, you know, they're, uh, they're statistically weaker, even though that they may be a better fit for the fight. And because you're limited to four heroes at a time, it also feels like it doesn't do nearly as well strategically because you're forced into a more just all out fight and having any real support just feels lacking because yeah you know, you're that's a hero that yes it is healing the other ones but it's not doing damage and fights are over very quickly unless you're in one of the modes that is several maps in a row that you really want a healer to be able to heal up it's a very conflicting and confusing thing if you're not a fan. Uh, well, let's put it this way. There's layers on top of layers of uh, of systems in this game. It feels like how Warframe is now where they built up over the years, but this is a game that's brand fucking new. Let's put it this way. When I've loaded up the game for the first time, you know how you usually get the login bonuses? You know, that's pretty standard, right? Yeah. I got five login bonuses from five separate systems and five separate fucking events that were running all at the same damn time. 
So why do I want to sit down and try to figure out what the fuck is going on with this thing? Is it brand new though? It's, I know it, re- it, I know it, it released it's, it's, this it, year. It, well, the mobile version is pretty new. I mean, this is pretty much the, from what I could tell, I, I'll fully admit that I never really sat down and played Fire Emblem, but it's pretty much the fighting systems of Fire Emblem with some of the heroes, or at least a fair uh, number of the heroes from the series uh, in the game. And uh, there's nothing really connecting it. And there's nothing to really let a person that doesn't know these heroes, uh, you know, uh, sort of in the camp, you know, it's a, well, it's a Nintendo property. So it's one of those things that if you haven't been with it for years, it's very not for you. At least that's how it felt to me. Yeah. <clears throat> I've heard them talk about Fire Emblem Heroes several times on uh, the Co-Optional Podcast because Jesse is like addicted to it because he loves Fire Emblem. Yeah. And that, I mean, there's my point, really, <laughs> is that... It, I got, well, how your first set of heroes that you summon, they have it where the only currency you get is these orbs. Uh, well, I should say the main currency. There are other currencies, of course, because it's a mobile-free game. So, of course, there's other currencies. And that's also the paid currency. And that's what's used to summon all the heroes. And for story reasons they're under contracts whenever you summon them and if you defeat them you break their contracts and they pop up in the gotcha balls whatever but uh the first set you get a five-star hero and then you know you have the usually somewhere between uh three and four for the rest with a very small chance something like three or four percent uh, for a five-star hero out of each summon. So, you know, you're not going to get very many of them, right? <laughs> Unless you're just dumping a lot of money in. And I'm assuming that these are probably, you know, very important characters in the uh, lore or the story. But uh, the story mode of this game is pretty much just a l- very long series of battles. And there's nothing to really kind of motivate me going along. They're They're trying to pretend that there's some sort of story saying... Well, we gotta stop this evil queen because she's evil and she's a queen and she's summoning heroes to fight us, but we're summoning heroes to fight her, so it makes no sense. <laughs> At least to someone that doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Nice. I love that. Video game logic. Ding. <laughs> I mean, I, I at least gave it a shot. <laughs> it's probably the best thing I could say about this game. Is that I gave it a shot and... Uh, if you get enthused by the pretty much the random encounter system, because it's what it is, you know, it's the strategic layer from Fire Emblem, from everything I could tell, or just looking around at various uh, gameplay videos online, then that's great. But it, you know, if you want any sort of uh, meaning behind it, or you know, to have you know any clue of what's going on, you know, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I would have. I would have much rather seen longer fights with five uh, heroes to you know, give a spot for the support. Because th- that's probably my biggest problem with this game is that support feels like it's a, a very uh, just wasted spot, really, if you're running it. 
because yeah, fights are over so quickly. Usually in my first turn, if the heroes aren't, yeah, if my cavalry unit uh, can't uh, get a hit in, the second turn I weigh about two of the four units or two of the yeah, four to six units that the AI has, because of course the AI has to have an unfair advantage, right, on numbers. Absolutely. Wouldn't be a game otherwise. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just over so quickly. It feels like there's no place for uh, support at all. And that's, yeah, it, that takes, a, at least for me, a bit, uh, a bit of the strategy out. I'm not sure if that's, you know, just how it runs in Fire Emblem. I mean, at bay. I don't, I haven't played a recent Fire Emblem game. I've played a Fire Emblem game before. Uh, well, I've looked at Fire Emblem before and <coughs> uh, uh, actually thinking about playing one for the channel, but, you know, Nintendo game, so you know, definitely don't want to touch that. Especially, well, especially with how Nintendo's been acting recently with uh, YouTube. Uh, but I was looking into it and it's just, there's a lot to try to uh, decipher. Yeah. And it just didn't seem worth it. But I gave this one a shot. Fair play. All right. Uh, any other questions about uh, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes? I mean, uh, there were systems on uh, in it that uh, made absolutely no sense. Like, uh, to equip skills as one screen, but to be able to learn them in the first place, uh, it was a completely different screen when that could have been combined into one thing. Yeah. No, not really. I mean, I've, I've thought about playing Fire Emblem Heroes a couple of times, but every time I think about it, I'm just like, eh, if I want to play a Fire Emblem game, I'll just play one of the ones that doesn't have the gacha mechanics and the full-blown waifu simulator. What, you're you're actually <laughs> turning down a waifu simulator? I have so many waifu simulators. One that tries to steal all of my money for the equivalent of, it's fine. I don't need that one in my life. I mean, at least it is a free game. It's not like you're paying $60 to start uh, spending money for the loot boxes. That is very true. Battlefront. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We'll get there. Among <laughs> others. Yeah. <clears throat> so, how about a deck builder? Slay the Spire. Uh, my other three are early access games. This was my Sunday sampler. And uh, Slay the Spire is off to a really, really good start for a deck builder. It's a deck builder roguelite where you're trying to oh, well, slay the spire. I mean, it's right there on the 10. Uh, and it's your pretty standard deck builder. And I, and I say deck builder, not CCG, as in you start off with a deck of, I believe it's 10 cards. And as you progress through the adventure, you get additional abilities through cards and it's you uh, pull out five uh, i think it's five cards uh player cards burn your hand uh, discard it and then it cycles through the deck like that and then once your deck is through you shuffle your uh, discard deck and you go back uh, to your draw deck so it's a pretty standard deck builder from what i understand on that mechanic yeah i mean it's katie told me that you told her about this game a few days ago and she was like she was like, it's like Dominion, except in a video game. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, I got you. I'm tracking. Got, well, Katie was asking me uh, what I was doing, and I said, oh, I just did a video on uh, Slay the Spire. It's a deck builder. And I didn't think she would know the term deck builder because I didn't realize that, yo, it would summon nerd Katie. 
just using that term. Yeah, Katie doesn't play a lot of video games, but hot damn, do we have a board game collection. So <laughs> Dominion Dominion is my in-laws like favorite game to just gather and all of us play. Like all of us know how to play it. We're all pretty good. Um and so it's just like, "Hey, who wants to play Dominion tonight?" every time we get together. There's a, there's a series of games almost every night. Yeah, this is a pretty much a Dominion uh, with a, a few exceptions, uh, after every encounter, you essentially, uh, well, you have an option to draw, uh, to add a card. You don't have to, uh, out of a choice of three cards. And it's using the, the FTL style of map where you start, uh, on this, uh, long journey up the spire. And it is a very long game. It took me about half an hour to get through the first section of the game. And I believe that there's four or five sections. And since it's a roguelite, you die, you start at the beginning. And there's so far two of the three classes in. Uh, the uh, warrior class, for lack of a better term, is a lot on uh, physical damage and uh, blocking. While the hunter class is more about poisoning enemies and, well, uh, dodging or weakening enemies to uh, lessen the effectiveness of their damage and uh, shuffling through the deck quickly. So two very different styles that came play already. And each de- each class has their own specific deck. And also as you play the class, you unlock extra cards for that deck that appear in the encounters, which some of them uh, have some really interesting synergy, particularly bouncing off of enemies' uh, uh, abilities. Because, of course, since this is a deck builder, the enemies, uh, some of them will try to fill your deck with crap. You know, uh, put, put a wound in your deck so that whenever you draw that, it you know, just takes up a slot in your hand and that's it. Or actively damages you when you discard it at the end of your turn. But then there's other abilities that causes exhaustion where it removes that card from your deck for the duration of that combat. So... Mixing the two together could be rather interesting and have some really fun combinations. Overall, I really enjoyed it so far. It is a little bit on the light side on gameplay so far, or I should say on content so far, because I was already seeing a lot of the same encounters, you know, after a few hours, but it's one to keep an eye on. Yeah. She told me about it. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I went and I looked, or sounds interesting. I went and I looked it up and put it on my wish list. I like I like a good deck builder. Yeah, there's not a lot of them on Steam, is there? No, there's a, not there, really. There's a few, but not a lot. And the nope. pro- uh, and the problem is that everyone sees you know the deck uh, mechanic and thinks, oh, this is like Hearthstone. No, yeah. it's not Hearthstone. <clears throat> the difference in Hearthstone and this is that Hearthstone you'd be building the deck from the outset, and I will say that it does get very tough. Uh, the first few runs were very difficult uh, until I got the feeling of how particular enemies handle. And it does have the roguelite uh, style where as you progress, there are random events that can pop up. You can see the map on one of the screenshots there if you go to the store page. And you can see how uh, the paths kind of diverge into their own little separate things. And it requires a lot of planning of uh, your route to be able to avoid uh, possibly some uh, elites, which 
can give uh, extra loot, but they're also very difficult. And since this is a rogue light, this isn't about winning the fight. This is about winning the fight decisively so that you can win the next fight and then the next one and then the next one. And that's where, you know, sometimes the fighting the elites just doesn't pay off. And then there's other things like the relic system where as you uh, progress, you'll get treasures that do interesting things. Uh, get, uh, the hunter, he- or sorry, not the hunter, the warrior hero starts with a relic that heals him for a few hit points after every combat. Uh, and that could be upgraded with a uh, boss uh, relic, or there's ones that give extra gold, or ones that allow you to draw an extra card into your hand at the start of combat. It's enough to really shake things up. And I hope that as they go through early access, which I think they've, yeah, they've already done the first patch uh, after their early access release. There's a lot to look at. And I'm really hoping that they continue doing this. And it looks like they've done a lot of balance changes as well. Just since I played uh, last week, so. Is that a zombie whale? Yes, uh, that's uh, that's uh, uh, that's the zombie whale is what it sets you out on your quest. And if you get to the second uh, area, he gives you a small buff uh, to start your next quest. So it does allow you to sort of uh, get on the ball for uh, your next uh, uh, chance to slay the spire. And sometimes he gives you some very powerful things. Sometimes he doesn't uh, give you anything of worth. There was one time that he, uh, one of the options was to give up all my gold, which you start off with uh, 99 gold. Yeah, enough to buy uh, a a couple potions and that sort of thing. Uh, But get an extra card. Or sometimes he'll let you uh, remove a card from your uh, deck. Which can be helpful, but can also be hurtful, depending on you know how you want to build your deck and how your you know, first few pulls really pay out. And that's probably the weakness right now is that uh, the first few pulls are what really sets the a tone for the run, because the bosses are very difficult, and if you don't get something very good, you know, within the first half of the run, uh, you're going to struggle health wise. And yes, there are. Uh, campfires that allow you to rest and heal up but yeah there's only so many of them but it was enough uh, to keep me playing for eight hours so right it it looks it like i said it looks good as we you know when she told me about it i specifically went and looked it up and added it to my wish list and now that i've heard you talk about it to uh, confirms my suspicion that it's a pretty good game and i'll be picking that up soon ish yeah, well, like I said, it just released on early access, so it's not on the uh, autumn or the Black Friday sale, so I'm not expecting to see it on sale for Christmas as well. Yeah. I'd be okay, surprised uh, if it is on sale then. So, moving along, don't sink. You know, that, that's <laughs> I'll usually, try not to. You know, that's usually the objective for most ship games. Unless you're in a submarine, then that's kind of the entire point is to sink. This is, once again, another roguelite, a roguelite adventure, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates-like game. This is also very early in its early access uh, phase, and 
right now, I cannot recommend it just because there is just so little content in this. And also, they have this weird thing going on where they try to focus on piracy. Everything in this game looks like it's a pirate game. It's more about building up your settlement. You're a governor of a uh, settlement uh, pretty quickly in the game, and there's not a lot to do yet. (laughs) I mean, it feels like a demo. And that's why I didn't do a video on it, was that I got to, well, there's four islands to explore, or to sail between, because you really can't explore them outside of the town that's on the island, and that's it. All the towns except yours are the same, because they're fully built up. And yours will look the same once yours is built up. There's really nothing there yet. Right. <laughs> it looks, it reminds me a lot of Pixel Piracy. Yeah, they they have some strong inspiration from Pixel Piracy, but just, you know, there's nothing there yet. Yeah. Which is disappointing because I went to this hoping to be able to do a video on it and yeah. It looks like a, if there's nothing there, it looks like a, a good starting point. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a potentially good starting point. I wasn't a big fan of how they handled combat. Well, possibly because they don't explain a fucking thing. Uh, you have three different types of uh, well, cannonballs, but outside of the grape shot, which obviously was uh, attacking the sails, there was really no difference I could see between firing regular cannonballs and firing bombs because they are both doing about the same damage to the hull. And the way that the combat works, it's pretty much, if you're wanting to fight with cannons, you hold D uh, to uh, tell your crew to load the cannons and fire. You, you have no other input. Uh, if you want to uh, retreat, you hold that button. If you want to uh, board the ship, you hold that button. There's not a lot of input on the actual combat. Is that what this wheel thing is? Yep. That screen. that is the command wheel. You hold down uh, right. Uh, you'll uh, uh, fire your cannons. It's completely random uh, if they hit, and if the uh, enemy ship is charging you, you will not hit. Uh, hit uh, pressing A will tell your crew to repair. Pressing uh, W will uh, uh, tell them to board the ship, which will cause you to uh, essentially charge the ship. And then you know there's no input on. The actual combat, at least yet. And pressing S, it tells your crew to run away. I mean, there's a potential here, but it's not nearly as strong a base as something like Slay the Spire. At least yet. This is still early access, so, you know, things can change. But can't recommend it right now. Yeah. I just put in a key request for it on Keymailer, but yeah, I don't think I would buy that. Not for 10 bucks. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of positive ratings for this. And I, I, it feels like I'm the dissenting opinion. Or maybe it's just I'm looking at it for as the game is now and not how it potentially could be. Yeah. Or yeah, I'm just like sorry like that. It looks like a good good starting point, but well, I'd like well, to well, see well, let's put it this way. more of it. I put barely over a half an hour in this game, and I felt like i seen everything. That's pretty short. I mean, I already was at the last island. Uh, the There's no really free room, for lack of a better term. You can only go in between islands. 
Uh, so you can't, uh, yeah, just stick to your island and try to pick fights with uh, uh, other ships. You have to go a fairly long distance and eat up supplies, which the supplies, you know, you uh, get your food, you get your water, you get your medicine, and you uh, every so often you're told to feed your crew. And there's really no input on, okay, well, do I need to stock up on something like oranges to, prefer, to prevent uh, sickness? Nothing. Uh, yeah, uh, tell me that. Or even if that's a system in the game. Because that's a big thing about piracy was, you know, the variety of food to prevent sickness. So, or, or I should say uh, b- uh, sailing back then. Uh, it, it has potential, but nowhere near as much as, uh, yes, I don't like pixel piracy. Yeah. Uh, pixel piracy has come a long way. Yeah. I haven't played it in probably six or seven well, well, months. it's been but... sitting on my wish list for ages. But I have seen about it. There's a lot more to Pixel Piracy than this. I mean, that's uh, also a not fair uh, yeah, comparison because Pixel Piracy is a fully released game. And this is not. But I was disappointed. So, Indeed. Okay. So, moving uh, along to another disappointment. Sim oh, Airport. Oh, no. I've been looking forward to the... To this game like i mean obviously i didn't know you were gonna play it but <laughs> it's, i saw it and i was like "Ooh, this is a wishlist game for me and it's got a ton of positive reviews too well once again it's well did you ever play prison architect in the very beginning no i didn't play it until much later okay well this is how prison architect felt in the very beginning where there's nothing to shake things up there's once you get everything set up you just let it run like an auto game and nothing happens. And that's my big problem with this is that they don't have random events in yet. They do have a option for them to enable them, but they're disabled still in this early access build, which is a huge thing. Uh, there's really no push to try to build something huge. You can just set up a small airport and you know, just let it run because there's absolutely nothing hell i just really sat there and watched the airport for a while and it was making hand over fist money because there was really no reason for me to worry about it which was disappointing there's something there has to be something to try to you know nudge a person to not sit there for a management game at least in my opinion right i mean yeah, I could see that. Well, well, I, I, was, I should well, I should go into what Sim Airport is. I mean, it is a, a uh, essentially a tycoon style game f- to build an airport, and you're building. Well, if you're uh, starting the career mode, you get a small airport that's not profitable, and you have to turn it around. Which honestly is literally researching one thing, or sorry, two things, because you have to unlock one thing to un- uh, to. to be able to hire the officer to be able to research the other thing in upping prices. And that's it. <laughs> well, that was easy. Yeah. And uh, the the interesting part is the scheduling because you're handling everything in the airport, including the scheduling of uh, aircraft. So you uh, set uh, set up contracts with the, the, with the different airlines and scheduled different flights. And that was very... Uh, uh, challenging once I got the second and third gates in my aircraft or in my airport, trying to uh, stagger things enough where 
uh, there wouldn't be the potential of the traffic jams both going through security and going uh, just uh, the aircraft themselves. Why would you do that, though? That's not like a realistic airport. You want everyone to be jammed up all the time. Oh, no. That, the secu- uh, well, the security uh, is already doing that on its own. <laughs> uh, that's why right. I had to st- stagger things more was that uh, I would get I was having one aircraft come in that had you know this massive Airbus and was requiring you know getting 150 people through security which there's not a lot of upgrades yet there's not a lot of things to try to streamline things yet so most of the air or the, most of the airports in the workshop had these absolutely fucking massive security areas because there's yeah, nothing to try to streamline things. It's just throw more things at the thing. Yeah. Uh, you need more uh, through, uh, through, but uh, you can't research to make things more streamlined. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, add, a, you know, another half dozen metal detectors. And there's really no reason to, to, Add um you know outside of just having the throughput to have you know metal detectors over body scanners because there's no you know uh random events to say that well this person was able to sneak plastic explosives through because you didn't have a body scanner maybe that'll be something in the uh, you know the future but it's uh, once again an interesting start and probably something I'll do a video on once it's uh, cooked a little bit more. But it uh, has the problem that the original, uh, well, the first, I would say, you uh, build a prison architect had was that there's nothing to shake things up. There's nothing to really worry about. It's, you know, right. build up your airport, uh, get it profitable, then sit there and let the money flow in uh, until you get enough to be able to build your next project. And that's not quite enthusing to me. That sounds pretty good to me. But, you know. I've played Factorio for over 300 hours now. Uh, of course. Uh, of course. Of course. Of course. Okay, uh, so... Any questions about this since you had this on your radar? Um... I don't think so. I mean, a lot of the mechanics right now are built around have uh, this because game says so. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, you have to have your security because the game says to to have your security and there's uh it would have been a lot more interesting at least to me right now uh, this may be something in the future where okay well what if i'm more relaxed on my security to allow a bigger throughput would that yeah piss off the airlines or would i get the faa on me or yeah wherever yeah this actually is uh for you know ha- not having proper security instead of just having the game say Oh, no, can't do that. Uh, shut down all the airport because, you know, uh, you're, uh, someone could get around security. Breaking the rules. Yeah, that would be more interesting. Allow you to be a bit more dyma- dynamic with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, allow me to run the risk of uh, angering, uh, you know, uh, the flights. Or, or the flight provi- uh, flight providers. Also, I'd like to know what random events would be. I mean, weather, that one's pretty obvious. Well, well weather is technically that. in the game right now. But it's just a dynamic, yeah, uh, wind goes up, wind goes down. You can't explain it. <laughs> that was that was funnier than it should have been. <laughs> oh, it just caught me off guard, I guess. 
But anyways, okay. But there's so uh, it- but there's nothing like a weather system. Uh, you know, like uh, look at the forecast and see uh, thunderstorms on the next few days. And because of how the uh, scheduling system is set up, where you're scheduling flights a day in advance, there's you're going to have to need at least two or three days warning on all your flights or on or your weather to be able to say, okay, well, there's a lot of storms coming in. Maybe I want to back off the flights because I may have a a runway that shuts down because of too much crosswind. I mean, that would be a lot more interesting or have something like terrorism threats or have it where uh, uh, some sort of uh, new rule that says, well, there has to be body scanners or there has to be an extra layer of security to force me to uh, uh, adjust my build. Because, yeah, there's not a lot to shake things up. The biggest uh, variance right now is the uh, wind slowly varying. Uh, which, yeah, once you put in one upgrade on the runways, you know, that doesn't matter because... It, you know, it uh, raises the threshold uh, enough, or you build a second runway that, in a different direction. You know, your base one is uh, east to west, so build one north to south, and you should be okay. But have it where it makes you think a little bit more. Maybe I'm uh, asking too much of the game. I don't know. I mean, there's simulator games that, or you know, tycoon or management games that throw all kinds of different things at you. I don't think it's too much. And that's, that's just not the type of game that it's trying to be. Yeah. But I mean, the game is called airport simulator, you know, even just having real dynamic weather and having to decide like, you know, do I take the risk on my flights or is this clearly like a no go? I mean, they do have the basis. They do have the basis of the dynamic weather, but it's not fleshed out nearly as much as it should be. And also as far as I could tell, it's always at least temperate. I think also another thing should be uh, temperature because there's been major problems with heat waves. Uh, not just, yeah, the obvious one you would think of would be blizzards, but uh, heat waves where it's actually too hot for the aircraft to function. Once again, depending on yeah, where the airport is. Right. Or have it where if it's... Uh, too hot outside if a plane sits at the gate too long uh then uh, it may cancel the flight because i had flights that would just sit and wait because you know there was one person that was stuck in security because they went off to go take a shit or something and be at the back of the line and would uh, you know have to go through a security as the plane was coming in well they would sit there and you know happily wait well that's usually not a thing yeah, people wait for a little while before they start to get cranky. Well, I, I was talking about the plane itself. Well, planes will wait there for a little while before they start to get cranky. <laughs> yeah, and then they just start fucking. <laughs> I mean, you, how? Where, where do you think Cessna's come from? <laughs> well, when a mommy Boeing and a daddy Boeing love each other very much. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> But this is kind of the basis of my, the games I played. A good start. Uh, I think that they could uh, build up to a really good uh, simulator. It just depends on where they take it, and also, you know, how much post uh, post launch support. 
because right now pretty much the workshop is just you know different airlines you know cosmetics and uh just uh, different airplanes or uh air- airports so it'll be interesting to see if they add some mod support as well they do have infrastructure where you can uh, build up your baggage uh you know your baggage hauling but that was pretty much just set it in yo know, you're done that, that would be an interesting random event actually is have the uh, luggage system jam is there a lost luggage mechanic? No. Well, I mean, that's a good thing for those passengers, but that's not very simulated. Yeah, uh, and, I'll, and also I was having all my aircraft uh, show up early, so yeah, it's, that's also something else. That happens sometimes. All of them? Uh, no. All of them were showing up half an hour early and departing 45 minutes early because uh, everybody was getting through security. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't I don't have any other questions. Uh Hopefully it improves. It's it's still on my wish list. I'm not going to, like, dump it. Mm-hmm. But I might wait for it to be a lot cheaper. Yeah, cook a little bit more. Yeah. And, and once again, it feels like the, sort of the descending opinion. Granted, there is some uh, negatives on here, but it's, uh, yeah, towards the bottom of the page. Yeah. I did end All up just sitting there and watching it for a while. I mean, I played 12 hours of it, trying to, you know, get a feel for it. To see if there's something that shakes things up later. But no, not really. Okay. It, it turned into an idle game. Which um, may be right up your alley because of the game you played most. Yeah, right now anyways. Um, Which I'm going to talk about that. But not right now. The first game on my list is the game that I forgot earlier. Uh, and that is Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Which is my... Um, have you, has, dear listener, have you ever played an Animal Crossing game? No. If your answer, if, if your answer is yes, this is literally every other Animal Crossing game, but they have now made it so that the normal bits of Animal Crossing where you have to wait, you can now spend real money to, to skip those wait times. Goody. For anyone else who hasn't played an Animal Crossing game, Animal Crossing was like the mobile game before mobile games were a thing. You show up at a place, and this one, it's a, like a, a summer camp type place or like a campground. I'm not 100% sure. It's kind of vague, and there's a lot of things that come and go. Creatures, anthropomorphic animals. So, uh, and then... quick question. Uh, based on what I know about uh, Animal Crossing, how quickly do you get in debt? Uh, actually, you don't. Obviously not an Animal Crossing game, then. Because Yeah. You know, that's yeah, so... literally the only thing I know about Animal Crossing is you quickly get in debt. Yeah, you show up at a place in in, anim, in every Animal Crossing game. You show up at a place that the through some sort of mishap and the fact that your character that you play apparently just is super chill and goes along with everything. They make you the leader of that place, the mayor of a town. Um, there's one. This one is you're like the camp. Wait, I didn't vote for you. You're the camp president or whatever, and so you run this entire like campground. Uh, there's one where you're, you know, I'm I, okay. Granted, I never went to a summer camp, but I'm pretty sure that they don't make a random camper, uh, you know, the president and everything. Yeah. You just show up and they're like, Oh, Hey, you must be the new, uh, the new head camp master person. And you're like, your response is like, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, here, here's where you're going to be staying. And here's what your duties are. And your response is what? And they're like, what's your name? And then you type in your name and it's like, Oh, goody. I mean, the whole point of the game is to just run around, talk to people, 
make friends with them and complete fetch quests by fishing and catching bugs. Wait, fishing? And, yeah. I, I'm, I'm joking. I, I have no interest <laughs> in playing this. And punching trees. And then there's a guy you take stuff to and he's like, hey, what's up? And you're like, hey, I want to build furniture for my campground. And you can build furniture and items to improve the campsite. And then it makes it easier for you to make friends. It's really boring. Yeah. I used to really oh, like oh, Animal oh, oh, Crossing. Wait, are you talking about Animal Crossing in general or just this? And, um, I don't know. Probably Animal Crossing in general. You like When I had a lot more time, I used to really enjoy this sort of game. But I don't anymore. Um, and I don't want to just like mess around with it on my phone. And a lot of the charm from the other Animal Crossing series isn't there anymore. Um, well, what was the charm? It's so broken up. I, I'm not trying to you know, be a smart ass or keep interrupting you. Okay, maybe the last part. But uh, uh, what was the charm of the Animal Crossing series? Because like I said, I never played them. The, the cuteness, which wears off over time. And the writing for the characters um, and sort of the relationships that you could grow and, and build with them as you progress through the game. And I, I've played this for four-ish, five-ish hours on my phone and like really focused on becoming friends with one character just to see if I could find out if the writing got any better. And the charm isn't there. It you know it just feels like they didn't put as much time into it as they did one of the main Animal Crossing games. Well, see, so you didn't buy the charm. Touche. But, I mean, you know, if you really like Animal Crossing, then, hey, this is a quick and easy way to get Animal Crossing and play it. And, I mean, it literally plays like any other Animal Crossing game. You're you know, you're just trying to improve the place where you are, which is the camp, instead of, like, you know, the town where you're living now. This campsite that you live at. You're just trying to improve it and make it nice and make the people happy. And hope and to God that the real cancel, uh, counselor doesn't show up. Doesn't ever show up, yeah. Um, that, that would be a hilarious in-game event. Uh, you, know, you hit the end game and uh, the real can, uh, counselor shows up. It's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. And in, and in previous Animal Crossing games where you'd have to wait real time for the trees to regrow plants and the bugs to come back and the things that you're working on to be finished... You can just pay real money to have all of things, ha- yeah, things which, happen instantly. Yeah, but doesn't that take some of the charm out of it? It does. It does. But, I mean, it, it's it's okay. It's just, I th- just my life is in a different place, and I just don't really care for this game very much anymore. Yeah, not enough anime boobies. There's definitely not enough anime boobies. You, you get a little, little heart meter that fills up as you make friends with these anthropomorphic animals, and I was really hoping that I mean, it's, you know, a Nintendo game for kids. I wasn't expecting to be able to bone down, but I was hoping to have a some sort of better relationship than just like, hi, friend, can I come hang out at your campsite today? You got a new piece of furniture. It looks really cool. Why, sure, raccoon lady. It never did that? I mean, it did do that, but it didn't get any better than that. Ah. Like, like, there doesn't seem to be any deeper relationship mechanics, and I've got... One of the characters oh, there's, to there's the maximum no, uh, art level. There's no fucking Tom Nook instead of him fucking you this time? Nope. Tom Nook's not even in the game. Oh, so, he is, I haven't found Also, oh, that's how you don't get in debt. That, that's literally the only character I know from Animal Crossing. But that's yeah. also kind of the meme of, you know, you start off and uh, you do something to get in debt. Yep. You know, it's it's very much like uh, you know, real life when you think about it. Very much. Very much. 
Um, so yeah, that's the Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Next game on my list is Spin Tires Mud Runner, which, you know, when we talked about that last time, I bought it, and then we have since played it together, and I've also played it some solo. And I pretty much agree with everything that you said. It's the same, but, but different. different. Um, Particularly in the mechanics side of things. Yeah, I mean, they all, they've went in and really fine-tuned the the driving and the the off-road mudding mechanics and so where as before at least if you're playing on the you could just put every vehicle in all-wheel drive and turn on the diff locks and hold down the the gas and eventually you'll you know you'll crawl your way out but in this if you do that most of the time you just dig yourself in a deeper hole so you really have to have a lot better throttle control and i spend a lot more time uh, in manual instead of automatic and so it's good you have to really really think and pick and choose your routes a lot more yeah, that and, that hill <laughs> that oh, when we played together, uh, yeah, we kept getting well. At least I kept getting stuck on a rock. Yeah, you got stuck, and, and I got past it, but I fell over and <laughs> spilled logs everywhere. So I just got a bigger truck. Took a bigger truck up the hill. Really, the I mean they've added a, a few new trucks, and there's a progression system where that you know you. In order to unlock everything for when you start a new yeah, map, you just have, you have to, to yeah, you just have to do the, all the maps. Uh, pretty all much the maps. Well, not quite in a sequence, but uh, you start off with two unlocked, then uh, completing one unlocks a third. Uh, uh, finishing one of the remaining two unlocks the fourth, and so on. If, yeah. if memory serves correctly. Yeah, and that it's they added challenges, which are I think glorified tutorials. Yeah, sort um, of. Uh, the, there's a kind of a fine line depending on how you want to approach them because if you do them just you know any way you can they're a tutorial but if you do them with a three-star challenge they are very tough yeah i've only done a couple of them um i three-starred the first one which is driving the truck Mm -hmm. uh that one was actually pretty difficult because it makes you actually park the trailer perfectly without damaging anything yeah that was that was a difficult part yeah i found it actually fun to try to do that yeah yeah, it was good. I didn't. I didn't it also kind of highlights how, uh, uh, yeah, kind of tacked on the first person mode is. Yeah, the first person mode is really useful whenever you're trying to drive through a forest <clears throat> because you can much more easily decide. Okay, my truck can fit here, but otherwise, the first person mode is is really tacked on right now. It's it's kind of nifty. Yeah, there's no but... way to really see the uh, position of your trailer, and that's the big problem with it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's it's good. I enjoyed it. I've played it. You know, we played it for what four hours, three yeah. or four hours that night. We completed two maps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I've since completed another map by myself and done a couple of the challenges. What do so you think good. of the water? The <laughs> the water is different and more <laughs> difficult. Certainly more difficult. Um, but I like that. You know, I mean, it it I drove into it with. The Jeep? No, not the Jeep. The well, well, you drove into it with the Jeep as well. Yeah. I, I was expecting it, though, and I still was surprised by how much it pulled. That's not really all that much different in one of the bigger trucks, just because they're so big, they're just like, whatever. But in smaller vehicles, it's a lot more difficult. Well, you did encounter the problem with the trailer. Uh, Yeah, where I beached myself with my trailer. Well, uh, you were saying that the... Uh, granted, I wasn't near you at the time, so I couldn't see it myself. Oh, the, yeah, the water was pushing my trailer, but it wasn't pushing the truck. Yeah. So I was having Yeah, the truck it. was too heavy for it to push, but the trailer... I guess the buoyancy of the logs. 
I don't know, but it was is. It makes for an interesting time. Yeah, yeah, it's. I like it. I I I also like the fact that um the like some small visual details like your repair things uh you know like the spare wheel and the toolkits and stuff and then like spare fuel tanks uh get used up mm-hmm. as they're used and you can see the fuel level going down actually in the fuel cans and as you use the repair parts on your truck they start to disappear you know like oh you used your repair parts so they're gone yeah that spare it's tire's just, gone yeah the spare tire's gone it's just a, it's just a nice visual cue which i like which i was i don't remember if you talked about that or not I remember but, talking about the fuel, but I never really paid attention to the repair. But then again, I usually don't damage my trucks that much. Well, I, I noticed um, whenever you do the recover a Jeep to you, or recover the Jeep to yourself, mm-hmm. it, it uses up the repair and the fuel. And that's what I noticed. I was like, wait, this is different than what... So when I went back to the garage... Yeah, which the, recover the, uh, the recoverable vehicles are really handy in single player. Yeah, but we discovered that you can't do that in multiplayer. Yeah, which uh, makes sense because it's sort of a pseudo second uh, vehicle for you uh, to yeah. uh, easily move around. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I was trying to just like challenge myself a little bit because the B one thirty, which is the blue truck, which is the worst vehicle from the the first spin tires, is even worse than the second one because you can no longer. It no longer has diff locks, which it did in the first one, and you can't put tire chains on it anymore. So I was just doing like a little challenge to myself, like seeing if I could get something somewhere. And I flipped the truck over. <laughs> I was like, "Ah, oh, shit! I, I don't. I'm just gonna like leave this." And then I went, or and then when I went to the map, it was like recover this vehicle to you. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that." So I recovered the jeep and I flipped the truck back over using the jeep and carried on. So that was nice. You couldn't do that with a bigger truck, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's uh, the recoverables are, are limited to just the jeeps, and the jeeps uh, don't have the pulling power that they used to. Yeah, which makes them a lot more or er, situational, because it used to be you know the jeeps could go everywhere, but between yeah. how uh, the mud is handled, because uh, the jeeps will actually sink in now. In the original spin tires, they would just kind of glide over the surface. Right, which. Sinking in is more appropriate because they have thin, they have really narrow tires, which uh, would give them increased traction on uh, flat, more sort of wet surfaces, like if you were driving on on pavement in the rain. But in mud, I mean, they just would just dig in. So that's more accurate. I know a few things about tires, guys. My dad's, that's that's my dad's business, is tires. He sells tires and tire accessories. He does. That he does. <laughs> Quite a few. Worked in the family business for a number of years when I was a child. Hated it. But that's a story for another time. So yeah, spin tires matter better. Really so you good. could say you were tired of it. Ah. Ah. Aren't you funny? Well, what are you gonna insult me now? Oh excellent transition to the next game I played, which is Oh Sir, the Insult Simulator. Ghost Shark actually sent me this as a gift. Thank you very, very much, Ghost Shark. Um, in Oh Sir, the Insult Simulator, you play a sir or madam. There's some madams. And you're trying to win a battle of wits by insulting another sir or madam over some issue. And there's so like a little some. It's essentially the sword fighting from Monkey Island. Yeah. 
pretty much. Um, and there's like little scenarios that it puts you in. It's like, you know, just to sort of set the stage. Like there's one that is just a carbon copy uh, bird skit from Monty Python. <laughs> uh, and that's how that one sets up. And you have to win that one. That one's pretty funny. There's one where that someone like takes your seat on a train and you have to insult them until they leave and you get your seat back. There's a couple other ones. Um, so those are all cute and fun. And the way it works is that you're trying to chain together uh, uh, the best insult. And there's multipliers and like ways that you can carry over points from like previous rounds to get, you know, more, a bigger multiplier. And it's things like if you can continue to insult like a person's mother, for example, you can build up multipliers. But the way it works is there's a shared pool of words that you and your opponent have. And each round, one person will go first, and that alternates between between rounds. And you have this pool, and you're trying to build the best insult from the pool. But you also have uh, a few words that only you can use. They're just like down in the corner. And you can refresh them once during the the uh the battle of wits by drinking tea which i thought was cute um uh, it almost sounds like this game is very british i can't imagine is. why indeed and be- between those you know the the pool and then the words that you have you're trying to build the best insult and so if you can keep it across multiple rounds on the same topic like insulting their mother or something like that then you can build up multipliers and it they basically just have a health bar and the better your insult the more damage you do to their health bar i'm and- just imagining now you know someone uh berating uh your mother and then stopping to pull a cup of tea out from somewhere take a sip of it and continue <laughs> it's it's pretty good it's pretty good um so i mean and that's pretty much the entire game that's it it's simple the the system works pretty well it's pretty lenient you can get away with like making really bad insults that don't really make very much sense but it's like well i want i need to get some points this round so i don't lose my my streak bonus or whatever so so it just comes down to your mother (laughs) yeah um uh and then each each character has like a weakness and once you learn their weakness you get bonus um it's fun for about 30 minutes playing against the computer but after that, you really need another person to play with in order to, for this game to be really fun, because the computer is just bad. And your first few rounds, where you're you know past the tutorial, where you're learning how things work and getting decent at stringing together insults, like it's fun to fight the computer then. So but afterwards, you would say it's a party game. It's definitely yeah, definitely you should play this with friends. It's got a very small, very very small online community. Um, and they sort of have peak times where you can find random games against people, but you really need to play this against someone else. I, I need to play it against Ghost Shark. He said that we could hook up. And yeah, play I would imagine that. Yo, know, there would be a bigger community of insulting one another, yeah, especially on the internet. <clears throat> oh no, those, those guys are all on Reddit. Uh. Um, I think Osir's like a year. Yeah, it's a year old, and they've released another game that's basically this. Only it's um, Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's roast something about roasts. That's uh, Hollywood themed. Uh, uh, <laughs> roasts are actually a real thing in Hollywood. Yeah, I know. I've I've seen a few of them. Of but. course, you know uh, if uh, if I play that, everything I would hear is in Gilbert Gottfried's voice. That would be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, 
it's it's a fun fun cute little game um that if how many people own it it's just me and ghost shark okay so ghost shark i definitely need to hit you up at some point so we can play this together and so we, we should have some other people in our audience get together or buy this or maybe i should buy it for them it's really cheap maybe that can be like my for my annual christmas giveaway i'll give away a whole bunch of copies of oh sir and then we can have like a a tournament night or something for stream nights whatever oh, that yeah that yeah that has to be you know stream nights have to come back first yeah yep there's a, a plan to have those come back i've now that katie has got a stable schedule and i've got a stable schedule but i was going to talk some more about that yeah uh, but that's but yeah, far that's far away a long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> there was loot boxes oh wait <laughs> Not in this version. So the next game I played is Star Wars Battlefront 2 Classic, which is what it's been renamed on Steam, Classic 2005. <laughs> but really, it's just the best Star Wars Battlefront 2. So are you saying it's a classic? <laughs> it is a classic. Um, After it was last week, or was it two weeks ago? So whenever like the first thing came out about um, Battlefront 2 and loot boxes and governments were looking into them potentially being gambling. Yeah. I played I played like an hour of Galactic Conquest and recorded it and put it on YouTube just for shits and giggles. And it actually got like a decent, for, for me anyways, a decent amount of views. And I was like, I wonder how many people came here. Like they just saw Battlefront 2 and didn't read anything else. And were like, oh, more Battlefront 2 gameplay. What the fuck is this? <laughs> this is what happens when you rename the game the same. Well, reuse names. I mean, hell, Tomb Raider is really bad about this. Yeah, but it's it. I was really surprised at how well it holds up. Um, they have put some work into making it run at. Uh, well, I mean, some work. I, I assume it was just like a a simple or a quick patch, but. It runs at modern resolutions um, and doesn't look like garbage. The menus are all like uh, four by three, uh-huh. but once you actually start a, a match, it will it plays in a proper sixteen by nine a- aspect ratio, so nineteen twenty by ten eighty, and it was running at like I don't know nine hundred frames a second, <laughs> um, according to the FPS counter. But yeah, but you know the human eye can't see that many. And it's it's also got server support now. Yeah, they patched uh, it recently to add <laughs> multiplayer back in. Yeah, so it, it it says thirteen of us own this, so this could be another potential storm friends list. But anyways, that's topic for another time. Um, as far as like the shooting <laughs> mechanics go, I, it's a first person shooter from uh, you know the days before you could wall run and parkour and stuff. Um. You've got a couple of weapons for each character class. Um, there's, I can't remember how many, but there's like six or seven for every, I think it's six. Um, you got grenades. You don't have regenerating health. You have to get health packs and ammo packs from the team medic or the little droids on the map that can give them back to you. It's, it's a solid shooter game. Um, there's no aim down sights. Some weapons have scopes that you can use, but otherwise there's no. Yeah, no and everything else is third person. And everything else. Actually, there's a first-person mode. Oh, there is? Now. There used to not be. Ah. Um, but they uh, that was part of the patch. You can play in first-person mode. Ah, all right. Well, that's why I was a little confused by you calling it FPS. Like, wait. I, I know yeah. I don't play that much of it, but... It depends on what character class you're playing um, as to which one benefits from which mode. I- I'm loving and the reviews on this, by the way. 
<laughs> I haven't. Uh, better than EA's for the following reasons. No microtransactions, no 40 hours uh, gameplay per hero unlock, no pay-to-win asshattery, mods, good community, 10% of the prices of EA's version. Don't uh, uh, feel like you're making a deal with uh, Dark Sidious when purchasing. <laughs> Uh, we'll probably live longer due to less exposure to EA's cancer. Still awesome 12 years on. No whiny 12-year-olds defending a game uh, they don't understand. Uh, don't have to earn a six-figure salary to keep up with the player base. More heroes and Galactic Conquest. <laughs> yeah. it's. I mean, it's just a solid, solid game. The only part of it that really doesn't hold up, and it's just because of the way that the flight is done is the uh, space battles. Um, the flight controls are weird. Um, it's a simulated joystick with your mouse, mm. and there's no real way to change that. I mean, you can fiddle with the settings to make it a little bit better, but it doesn't have uh, native controller support. Do they have uh, modes where it's just the uh, uh, space battles? Yeah. I imagine that there was probably a subset of the community back in the day that was treating it as a flight sim then. Yeah. Yeah, you can... Uh, in, have Have you played Battlefront 2? I played a little bit of it, but not enough to really be able to talk about it. Okay, well, so the gameplay, there is there is a campaign mode where that you follow, I think it's the 501st, and you start in the Clone Wars, and you go all the way through the Empire Strikes Back, and the last mission is a Battle of Hoth. Um... And that one's pretty fun, and that's basically a, a tutorial for multiplayer uh, or quick match, and then Galactic Conquest. And Galactic Conquest is, uh, there's a galaxy map, and I I think it's 16 or 20 planets, and you have fleets, and you go around and you capture all the planets from the other team, and you can get into just direct space battles during Galactic Conquest mode, and then you can just play skirmish space battles. And it's two capital ships with a couple of support ships, and you can either just opt to fly and, you know, shoot down fighters to kill the, the enemy, blow up specific parts on the capital ship to remove the reinforcements. Or you can actually board the enemy ship and destroy stuff from the inside and then also just kill troops as they spawn before they can fly out. Yeah, which uh, from some of the criticism I heard of Battlefront 2, uh, not relating to the loot boxes, is there was a lot of disappointment that they didn't include that this time around. Yeah. Yeah, I whenever I used to play this with my friends, because, I mean, we used to get together and play huge Galactic Conquest, like, weekend-long land battles. Like, I mean, it doesn't take that long to play Galactic Conquest. You could get through one in an afternoon, um, as long as it's not just, like, a constant stalemate. Yeah. But, you know, we would play just over and over and over. Um, and we would always, one of us would do straight space combat, and the other one would always... It, it's, it's good fun. And if I could, I'm sure there's, if I did enough messing around with the settings... Or just use my joystick. It says it has partial controller support, but I, so far, like, fiddling with it, the little bit that I have, it just doesn't seem to work right. And I don't know if it just doesn't like my Xbox controller or if I need to use a joystick or what, but I'm sure with enough fiddling I could fix it. But by default, it's emulating a joystick, Mm -hmm. but badly. So, it's a fun game, though. And, uh, yeah, we should definitely play it sometime. Even if it's just me and you. I, I I mean, I still remember all the maps inside and out and all the little tricks you can do to, like, beat the AI. Um, and this is back in the day when AI... I mean, still, primarily, AI just cheats when you bump the difficulty up too hard. Oh, that's but, still the d- thing to, to today. 
but moving the needle at all it's like okay you guys are cheating so hard right now but i mean they're they're really stupid really stupid ai but it doesn't matter it's fun you know it's cannon fodder as you go towards your objective it's a good game good game um so next game on my list is factorio i've played factorio a lot last couple of weeks really um the only thing that i'm really going to talk about is just since the last time i played it they've done another like couple of version updates and they've changed some stuff in the research tree a bit uh you no longer have to kill aliens to get purple science which is good yeah that's nice i always hated going out and fighting aliens unless i was trying to clear something like i didn't mind you know defending against them that's fine but i just like well great now i'm stuck unless i go dedicate some time to wiping out you know a dozen alien bases to bring back the artifacts the purple science um yeah probably once factorio gets a little closer to its actual release i'll try it again it's very different from the last time you played very 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 different yeah my main Um, problem with the factorio was that you know it's one of those things that you can't really uh see the forest for the trees there's so many uh, small things that if you don't know will cause you so much trouble later on yeah they haven't really done anything to streamline anything it's still very much, you know, just a, a sandbox that you play in until you learn what to do and you build better and better castles every time. But the other thing they've done with the research tree is that they've shuffled up the robotics stuff because I always prefer using a robot factory as opposed to building a factory with a kajillion conveyor belts. But what they've done now is it used to, it was when you research the robots, you got everything. You got the all of the different logistics chests which allows you to you know just set up um for your your bots to bring stuff to a you know from one place to another automatically uh, you got all of that when you research the robots but now whenever you do it you only get two of the chests which allow you to set it where the robots can bring stuff to you um if you want them to to bring you things mm-hmm. to your inventory but you have to research something else that's another two or three layers deep in the tech tree to let you get the other logistics chests, which allow them to deliver stuff to factories. So that slowed me down a bit because I was like, well, I could automate some of this stuff the old fashioned way with conveyor belts, or I could just stand around for three hours, handcraft everything I need to get this research upgrade, then go about my business. And that's what I did. And they, they balanced nuclear power a little bit better too, so that your reactor one reactor or like the per reactor ability is is better like it can uh heat up or it can run more steam turbines before you start to get diminishing returns and then eventually uh have got too much for it to follow nuclear power is a little bit because you don't have to have enough resources to build two reactors in order to power your massive factory complex you can get away with one so that's pretty much that's yay factorio all right, so something else I don't really have anything to say about. Yep, the last game on my list is Halo 5 Guardians. Uh, for Black Friday, Microsoft had, they've got, what's it called? Uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, it's this service that you can subscribe to. Yeah, you download, I think I'll pass. You can, but I'm just, you can download any of the games that are on the service, which it's right now it's, I think, 120-something games uh, between Xbox 360 and Xbox One titles. But, you know, you just pay, normally it's, you pay 15 bucks a month, or is it it's 10 or 15 bucks a month, and then you get access to all those games. Um, but for Black Friday, 
you could get your first month for a dollar. So I was like, fuck it, I'll play a dollar and have access to these games. There's a couple I've been wanting to play anyways uh, that I wouldn't buy. So Halo 5 Guardians was the first one that I played. Uh, And I have many thoughts about this game. So... Anyways, um, they've made quite a few changes to, to Halo 5. So this Halo 5 released in 2015, and it was around the time when Call of Duty started adding um, jump jets and parkour and things like that. So they took a little bit of that and put that in Halo 5, and then they took aiming down sights from Call of Duty and every other first-person shooter out there and put that in Halo 5. Um, and then they saw that Wolfenstein had come out and it had some slowy downy bits where you're in a base and you talk to people and they thought, oh, we'll have some of that. So they put that in, um, and they saw that people wanted squad-based multiplayer for reasons, I guess, because that was successful from Halo 4 in their, like, secondary story mode that was, like, an episodic thing that they did. So they added that in. And they shook it all up, and they uh, poured it in your drink and said, here, have this mixed drink of Halo. And it's mostly pretty good. Um, Mechanically, I was really satisfied with a lot of things in Halo 5. Aiming down sights I thought was going to be really weird and out of character because that's just not a Halo thing. Um, But they did a really good job with it. Aiming down sights functions a lot like a second weapon or like a secondary weapon mode for a lot of guns because it changes the way that they function you can still totally play the game without aiming down sights and a lots of times especially when it's really hectic and there's a lot of enemies around and you're in close quarters combat you're not aiming down sights um but a, a lot of weapons for example uh particularly like covenant weapons and the forerunner weapons whenever you aim down sights they'll they'll home um, like some weapons like the needler, which always homed in, it still does. Um, but other weapons that used to not home now will, if you aim down the sights, like it's just a little bit, it's not enough. It like, it'll hit anything, but you know, it'll adjust a little bit for you. So that's pretty nice. There's a, a couple of weapons, like there's a, a something plasma caster, I think is what it's called, but think like crossbow or, you know, bolt caster from star Wars, like that sort of thing. Um, and if you don't aim down sights, it just launches a, a projectile that hits and explodes. But if you do aim down sights, it allows you to charge up the shot. And then when you shoot at an enemy, it explodes and then also has like a, a shrapnel effect. And it'll spray little plasma bombs out that also explode. They do less damage, but you know you get some AoE damage out of it as opposed to just like basically shooting a plasma grenade onto someone. So that's pretty neat. Um, the human weapons are really the only ones that it's like I'm literally just aiming down a sight. Which that kind of makes sense. But, you know, it still kind of sucks that they couldn't do anything more interesting with the human guns. But I get it. So that was pretty nice. Uh, the added mobility is really cool. Um, they didn't go overboard with it. Like in the more recent Call of Duties and uh, Titanfall. They... Basically, you have a little jetpack that lets you boost around. You can't, like, fly with it. Um, It lets you hover a little bit. Uh, It can give you a quick burst of speed or move you around in midair for, like, dodges or to give you a little boost to jump a longer distance, that sort of thing, Uh, which is really nice. And there's also now a verticality to most of the levels. So just about any combat encounter you come to, 
you, I mean, you could just charge in Halo style, uh, or you could look around a little bit and be like, I wonder if I could climb up there and then maybe like flank them or get a sniper position. And most of the time you can. Um, so if you actually take the time to examine the, the battlefield, you can use aspects, you know, certain aspects of it to your advantage. Um, in some cases, I don't know if like it's game breaker or not, but I, a, a few encounters, I found myself being able to get so far up that the enemies just like couldn't hit me. And I, I don't, I assume that that's like either a, a glitch or they just weren't like expecting someone to try and climb up that far, but I did. So I was able to sort of cheat a couple of areas that way, but, um, so that they, they did that really well things that i said oh the the little story bits where you're supposed to like stop and talk to characters this one was no good and i, I think this just kind of shifts into the general tone of storytelling for it um traditionally halo one was the worst story and then two and three were better most people consider halo three to be like the best in the series both gameplay and story wise uh halo odst and reach were both pretty good story wise uh and those were all of the games that bungie did then 343 Studios came in and did Halo 4 and now Halo 5. And Halo 4 was about as good as Halo 1. Um, you know, they basically started a new trilogy for 4, 5, and 6. It was their first time doing a Halo story. So, you know, uh, at the time I was like, okay, that's fine. This is okay. It's not the best, but it's okay. It's their first one. That's cool. Halo 5, though, was a disaster story-wise. Um, for starters, if you haven't played every other Halo game and read most of the supplementary universe material, you wouldn't have a fucking clue what was going on. They never explain anything. They just assume that every player knows exactly what all of these things that they're talking about. And there was some stuff that I didn't even know and that's been added in the last couple of years in like books and stuff that I haven't read just because, you know, life changes and I haven't been keep been able to keep up with the expanded universe. So I had to go to the wiki and look a few things up because I didn't know what they were. I was like, okay, well, that makes sense, and I could see where that comes from. But, like, you know, if, if Halo 5 was your jumping-off point or you'd only played Halo 4 before, you weren't going to know what the fuck was going on. So that was no good. Um, the general pace of the story was really bad, too. All of the previous Halo games, even Halo 4, would take time to slow down a little bit and just give you a moment. Um, you know, in Halo 1, there are plenty of times where you're just going along and you get a minute or two where that, you know, you're just driving a Warthog or you're running to the next area, maybe Cortana or somebody's telling you something, but you can just see like, um, like for example, and I forget what it's called, but the second level of Halo, uh, is it Fauxhammer? Like whenever you walk out of the escape pod and you turn around and you can see the Halo behind you, it gives you like 30 seconds to take that all in before the first Covenant dropship shows up. And, you know, that's just a nice bit of pacing. But whoever wrote the Halo 5 story, or whoever directed it, or cut it down, or whatever, has obviously never heard the term pacing. Um, there's two, there's only I two I love that salsa. The, <laughs> there's only two points in the entire story where you slow down at all. And that's, I think they were like, hey, this Wolfenstein game just came out, like, last year, or the year before, and they had like these sections where you would go to a base and talk to some characters. Yeah, let's do that. But they did it really poorly. Uh, in in Wolfenstein, the the New Order, and apparently in the New Colossus too, although I haven't played it. Um, there are 
bits, story bits between each mission where you're at your base and you take a decent chunk of time, 20, 30 minutes sometimes, to explore your base, talk to characters, find out what's going on, build relationships. They were really well done, um, especially for a shooter game and allowed you to really get to know the characters around you. Uh, and they, it seems like they saw that and went, oh, let's just do that in Halo. But it's like the two times that it happens, it's like two or three minutes a piece. You walk into a base and you have to, you just follow the icon to talk to the person that you're supposed to, to get whatever it is that you need to advance the next mission. So it's really poorly paced. They didn't do a good job uh, building team cohesion at all because the the two main characters, the Master Chief and then Spartan Locke, which is, you know, his counterpart. If you've played the other Halo games, uh, think like whenever you switch back and forth between the Chief and the Arbiter in Halo 2, which I know you haven't played Halo 2, but anyone that, that's anyone that's listening that has, it's exactly like that. You basically alternate missions between Master Chief and Spartan Locke. They each have a team of people that if you're playing the campaign in multiplayer mode, the different players would be the different team members. But in single player mode, they're obviously AI. Um, but you never, if you haven't read the books, you don't know who any of these or played the other games. You don't know who any of these team members are. And even if you do know who the team members are, they do not show a good job or they don't do a good job of building their characters. They just expect you to know exactly who they are and what all these relationships are. And there's a couple of moments that they attempt to do some character building. And it was really jarring. Like, it just completely falls flat because I'm like, wait, who who is this again? I only knew one of them um, from Spartan Locke's team. And that's just because it was Nathan's Phil- Nathan Fillion's character in Halo ODST. So I remembered him because, I mean, it's Nathan Fillion. How do you forget Nathan Fillion? Who? And he did the, the voice the voice acting and the, the mocap for this character in Halo 5 as well. So I was like, okay, I know that guy because it's Nathan Fillion. But apparently all these other people have been in previous Halo games too. And I don't know who any of them are. And then the Master Chiefs team are all Spartans from the books, and you've never seen them in the game world before. I don't even know if they've even been mentioned before in the games, but they're all in the books. So I kind of knew those guys just because I've read most of the books. So uh, is there anything I'm forgetting? Poor pacing. Just I had so many thoughts about this. Like I, I, There were times where I was like, wow, this is an awesome Halo game. I'm enjoying it. And then there were other times where I was like, God, this is a whole bunch of bullshit. Oh, they do that modern game thing where that instead of letting you play a section, they just show it to you in a cutscene. And there's a couple of times they do it where it very clearly like wouldn't work gameplay-wise. But you, did you beat Halo 1? Huh? I know you didn't no. on your Let's Play series. Okay. Uh, Are you? Do you know... I, I got further along, but... Uh, in the Let's Play series, but it just drug on so long, and there was... I really hated the gunplay. Okay. Do you know what happens at the end of the first Halo, whenever you drive the Warthog out of the Pillar of Autumn? Uh, Halo goes boom. Well, yeah, but uh, I'm talking about the, the whole driving section. I don't know the driving section. Okay, well, at the end of Halo 1, and actually several Halo games, like, this is, a, I guess, a thing in the series... You get a vehicle and you drive it out of uh, the map, like through the map as it's exploding, and you know you're just trying to be. Oh, that would have pissed me off so much. I hated the Warthog in Halo One. So there's 
I mean, this has been like a thing in every single Halo game. I'm pretty sure every single one of them, except for ODST, has a section like this. Um, you know, trying to get somewhere in a warthog and or on foot, and you're just, you know, running through basically like platforming or, you know, skill driving or something like that. And in this one, I'm like, okay, here comes the, the part. I'm going to drive the warthog. I'm going to run the platforming or whatever. Halo style, looking forward to it, just because I'm a huge Halo person. But they don't do that. They show it to you in a cutscene. And I was like, well, that's dumb. Because, like, this is one of Halo's things where you, you do that. And it's fun, and it's silly, and it's over the top. And, you know, like, action movie set piece type thing. And they just didn't do that. Put it in cutscene. And then also the boss was really frustrating. The the main boss that you fought fight several times in the game is just this this dude. He's just like a big version of one of the normal enemies. And you fight him and you beat him once. And you're like, okay, that was a, a you know a decent enough Halo mini boss. Let's see something a little more interesting. Uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight him again, even though it's been like just like two levels. Uh, okay, that's fine. Oh, I'm gonna fight him again in this level. Oh, but this time there's three of him that I have to fight at the same time for story reasons. Okay. All right, this is getting old now. Oh, the final boss in the game. Oh, I'm going to fight five of him at the same time. And that's that's the boss of the game. And uh, spoilers, Cortana's the bad guy, and I really hate that too. But that's a personal thing. Uh, so I had a reason to despise Cortana all along? Huh. Yeah, she's, she's a bad guy so, in this one. So, okay, I got to ask. Uh, even though I probably don't really care why. Um, <laughs> do you want the short version or the long version? Uh, let's start short. She gets access to unlimited power and it corrupts her. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, so does she get deleted or? No, she escapes at the end because it's a trilogy. So I oh. assume that in the third game, you're going to kill Cortana or figure out how to turn her back or something. Uh, just install Windows 10. <laughs> but um, wait, does, so, wait, does that mean that Windows 10 is evil because Cortana is part of it? Maybe. I mean, Windows 10 was already kind of evil anyways. Um, Windows 10 is uh, built for fucking phones. It's not apps, Microsoft. Yeah. I agree with you. And then, but, and then the game just kind of ends... It's like, oh, we're we're gonna sell you DLC or just like do a big sequel. Now it's time to game. finish the fight. <clears throat> so, uh, so yeah. So mechanics wise, I like the direction that they're taking the Halo series. Story wise, they really screwed the pooch on this one. And then multiplayer, it has loot boxes. Well, is it the uh, middle child of the trilogy? Uh, kind of wasn't paying attention to where the story. Uh, uh, kind of uh, split off from one another it is the middle child of a trilogy but it's not just like okay this is the second movie in a trilogy you know i'm frustrated but it's the middle movie i get it like it's not that sort of thing it's just really bad it's poorly paced the story doesn't make a lot of sense even if you know most of the lore and if you didn't know any of it you would be confused as fuck and it's just not very good storytelling anyways Oh, glad I was never going to play this game to begin with. Um, I I was going to check out the multiplayer, but I forgot that it had loot boxes until I went to the multiplayer. <laughs> and it was like, I had something like 40 boxes because, you know, since I played it on Xbox and I have 
uh, I've beaten all the other Halo games on my Xbox Live profile and have a bunch of achievements. I got a ton of boxes just for like, oh, you beat the Master Chief Collection. You beat Halo 2 and 3 and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I got a, a bunch for having Halo Wars and having beat holiday stuff. Is it, I was like, uh, I don't... is it power or is it all cosmetics? Uh, it's both. Ugh. Um, so I didn't play it, so I don't 100% know how they're implemented. But I know that one of the multiplayer modes is like a sort of a conquest mode. Um, and all of the drops that you get for conquest mode come from the loot boxes. Uh... And you can get... there's. Of course, there's standard drops, and then there's rare drops, and there's epic drops. Actually, they're they're bronze, silver, and gold. And obviously, the gold ones are better. Uh, and this goes for weapons and vehicles for the conquest mode. Yeah, but remember, it's not gambling yet. And then they had a then they had a bunch of cosmetic stuff as well. Um, like there were special weapons that each of the main characters had in the camps, and those were just skins. But there were also legitimate better versions of the weapons that you could get um that was like it i got a gold weapon and it seemed to be like five percent better than the standard weapon that you just had in your loadout screen but still five percent makes a big difference in every encounter that you get in especially in halo because the time to kill in halo is very low so five percent means that you're gonna win almost every fight unless the other person has ten percent has yeah yeah has ten percent or is you know just got a lot higher skill level than you, and like I opened the boxes and looked at the stuff so I could kind of like report on that, and then I was like I don't want to play this, I don't I don't want to play a game where that I'm disadvantaged not because you know I'm worse than someone else or because I couldn't get you know get to the weapon on the map fast enough like that sort of thing, but because they have a better starting loadout than me because they have a gold weapon and I just have the regular one. So I turned it off and deleted it from my Xbox, and I'll never play it again. Unless there's like a Halo whatever collection, I don't know, that I might pick that up. The we'll ha- the Halo Master Master Chief collection. <laughs> oh. Master Chief 2 Electric Boogaloo. So yeah, those are all the games that I played this week. Yay. Well, there was also one other game you played this week. Well, yeah, but that's the Game Club game, and I need to take a short break before we move to that portion. And we're back from our break to talk about our monthly game club, which was Rebel Galaxy. Um, this game did not turn out to be what I thought it was going to be. I mean, it's not bad, yeah, but well, this is going to uh, be a well, much before more... before we should say what the game club is, remember? Right, right. I forget that. Uh, so every month, the well, you and I have very different tastes in video games, as people listening to the show know. But if you're a new listener, you might not know that. And so in order to get our opinion about the same game at the same time we do a monthly game club where we choose in advance a game that we play and you and i will play it as much as we can depending on the game sometimes it's to completion sometimes it's not and then we come together and we talk about it and we bring our viewpoints our unique viewpoints into the discussion we also encourage audience participation it's been a while since we've gotten some good audience participation but that's okay too just know that dear listener that you can play the game and chime in too so this month was Rebel Galaxy, which is a uh, space sci-fi arcadey sandbox sandbox uh, that focuses on sort of capital ship combat, 
or what large ship combat, I should say. Not all of the ships are capital ships. The first few are corvettes, which are kind of that mid-class. But anyways, larger ship combat, um, and you're on a plane, just a 2D plane, so you don't have to worry about up or down movements. Yeah, and- it's essentially tall ship uh, in space, really, because a lot of it is broadsides. Yeah. Um, And <laughs> this one, the reason that we went for it was the trailer or the opening it was it was the opening to the game like when mm-hmm. the game loads the soundtrack that starts playing just hooked me i was like jesus christ this is amazing <laughs> and the soundtrack really makes you feel very much like you're in firefly when you're cruising around and then whenever you get into combat there are a number of Excellent rock tracks. Yeah, after a, bit, after a while, I turned it off because it does start to get repetitive. I, I still haven't. Um, how much did you play? Because neither I, of us beat it, yeah, and I, I didn't even get out of the first sector. I got about 10 hours in, and, okay, that, so and, you played it. and I got uh, out of the first system right at the end of my playtime. Okay. So you played it a little bit more than me. I've played it for about eight hours. Although I don't know how far behind you I am on the story because I spent almost all of my time testing the various game systems like mining, testing those pretty fully, and then doing a lot of side missions. But I also lost a decent chunk of progress uh, just just because of the game's crappy save system. Yeah, the save system is very lackluster. I guess we should talk about that first since that caused you so many problems is that... Every time you dock at or leave a starbase, and, you know, this is a space game, so essentially every planet has its own starbase. And actually, it's something I didn't realize until, you know, towards the end of my gameplay, is that the galaxy is uh, randomly generated. So our systems were different. Know that. I did not know that. Interesting. It didn't feel like it, did it? No. No, it did not. Well, anyway, every uh, uh, well, every planet has its own star base, and there's a, usually a few asteroid bases that are just hanging out in the, the various debris fields in the uh, sector. And once you dock at or leave one of those bases, your game saves. And unless you force quit to the title screen, that is the only time it saves. So, what happened yep. to you? Yeah, so... This game likes to throw random encounters at you, a which lot. is fine. It a lot. It's it's fine. You know, space is a big place. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it's a, an arcade style combat game. So I get that. So what happened to me? Several times. This happened three or four times. I would go to do a mission, and the mission would be very far away. Sometimes I'd even try and do two missions because they were close together. The the actual points where you completed the mission. So I'd go out do the mission. And I'd be on my way back to base to turn in the mission. So I'd get the save and then also the mission completion reward. I'd get a random encounter that was some enemies, <clears throat> which is fine. It drops you out of warp. And then immediately it's like, oh, these guys are too tough for you. You should flee. You really need to flee. And it's like, oh, shit. Yep, I should totally flee. But I got blown up before I could get far enough away. Well, what's also a little inter- warp drive. Uh, irritating about that system is that it doesn't always tell you. And it's not really a UI element. It's just... Sometimes the ship AI is like, you know, this fight, eh, it's all right. And, and other times they don't tell you at all. And even the missions that would say like high risk, you might just wind up fighting a bunch of low level enemies. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes even when they would be like, oh, these enemies are too tough for you. 
you could still defeat them because they might be high level, but they were all like fighters and gunships versus uh, capital ships. Yeah, or sometimes uh, uh, they're spread out enough where you're able to pick one off at a time and drop the uh, threat level down. Yeah. So, this happened to me three or four times, causing me to lose, in total, probably two hours of progress. So, I played for about eight hours. uh, Yeah, but but you only have probably five to six of uh, actual progress time. Right. Which was really frustrating. And that happened even once I got out of the starter ship. You can do a decent amount to upgrade your starter ship, and the second ship is not very expensive. It's only like, what? A hundred thousand credits, maybe not even. That uh, much. It depends on what faction, because there's actually a few different factions, and they each have their own line of ships. Right. Well, um, what were they? The, the militia ships, or? Well, I actually, I ended up uh, going from <laughs> one of the militia ships into one of the. Oh, I don't know what the faction is, but uh, one of the other faction ships, which wasn't that much uh, more expensive. Well, it had uh, an extra turret. Yeah. Which is omnidirectional compared to the broadsides. It was weaker on the broadsides, but it ended up doing more damage overall because the broadsides are very situational just because right. of how the game aims. Yep. There's a... Well, okay, so you can just fire your broadsides and it just kind of shoots them off mm-hmm. pseudo-randomly. I don't really know if it aims them or not. I think it's just random. Or you can uh, hold down yeah, right. You just have to hold down in order to do a focused aim. Otherwise, it's you know, just a scatter shot. Right. And it it's pretty, I don't know, aim assisty or auto lock on Like, if you point in mostly the, the right direction, and it'll do the rest. And you'll hit targets. And it doesn't matter if they're above you on the plane or below you on the plane or if it's another capital ship. Um, I mean, I've I broadsided plenty of fighters. As they zoomed past, <clears throat> I originally was using the flak uh, secondary, but then I swapped over to uh, a missile or a, a, a rocket launcher, a, a dumb fire launcher. Yeah, I was, uh, I was sticking with the uh, pulse cannons because I didn't like. Uh, well, I, I still had missiles as my secondary, but my primary broadside was still uh, energy based. Yeah, sorry, I was talking about my secondary. Ah, yeah, no, I used I used the pulse cannons the whole time. I was getting ready to swap over to the lasers. Give those a shot. Or plasma beams, or whatever they were called. Well, the mining laser actually is a lot of damage, but it's just so short range. Yeah. Yeah, I had one mining laser for a while, but the mining system in this game is not very good, so I dumped it for a better weapon and just stuck to combat. Well, it's that delay. Yeah. Uh, Well, whenever you mine, uh, you have to have a dedicated weapon to be able to mine, because reasons... You know, shooting an asteroid with any other weapon, I guess, just destroys all the uh, the stuff. So you have to have a dedicated mining laser to slice open the asteroid to cause it to explode into a shower of, well, one bit of uh, lootable stuff. Even with the uh, fault finder, because it didn't seem like it was doing anything. No, it didn't seem to help. I I think it was just like a, a... bump and percentage chance to get like more rewards from one asteroid but I don't think it was a consistent more resources but anyway as you're shooting the asteroid uh, there's this warm up time on the laser 
Then it starts shooting. Then there, it feels like the asteroid actually has shields, which the indicator on the UI indicates that it does have some sort of shielding. Then it starts losing its health. And for the Mark I mounting laser, for anything of a decent size, it would actually overheat before the asteroid got sliced. Yeah. Because of all the delays. Yep. Which is one of the reasons I didn't like it. I also don't like mining systems that are just like, you shoot the rock and blow it up. The I, I've said this before on like Twitter, and I may have said it on the podcast, but EVE Online has got the best mining system in any game that I've ever seen. Because there's more to it than just shoot the rock, blow it up, and collect the dust. They're, I don't recall what it is. So. For EVE? Yeah. Well, not only are there multiple different types of asteroids, which allow you to collect multiple types of minerals from the asteroids... But you actually have to set up, um, well, there are mining lasers, and you do uh, essentially melt the asteroid uh, and extract mm-hmm. all of the materials from it that way, as opposed to just blowing it up. But on top of that, getting into the complexities of the system, you can set up dedicated mining vessels that can provide boosts. Um, you have to refine the materials that you mine, and you can set up refining systems for that. It's just a, a much more in-depth system than... Find rock, shoot rock, collect minerals. And there are other games that don't quite go in that in-depth, but do a better job of it. Um, the mm-hmm. Starpoint Gemini series originally was just shoot rock, blow up rock, collect thing. But that system has evolved, and there are different asteroid types and uh, different ways to mine. There's lasers, there's special torpedoes. And the- yeah, it was a little off-putting to shoot an, ass, uh, uh, an ice asteroid and get... <clears throat> gold out of it for some reason in uh rebel galaxy yeah yeah so you know it it just was very poorly done it's very clearly not the focus of the game it feels like they had to they went well this is a space game and people want there to be trading and people want there to be asteroid mining so i guess we'll stick those in there and honestly i wish that they would have taken both like not worried about either of those things and because the commodity trading is pretty piss poor too yeah, and, it's, uh, th- there's really no way to track uh, unless go- you actually get to the uh, other station. Yep. At least that I found. Nope, there's no way. Yeah, at least that I well, found. Well, well, you could uh, talk to the bartenders to get tips, but yeah, that's uh, random. Yeah, the, one, those last for a limited time anyways, and two, I've had this happen a couple times, like, oh, hey, such and such a thing is super cheap over there. So I go over there and there's only one of them. It's like, yeah. well, this is a waste of my time. Yeah, pretty much out. Uh, look to see what random events were going on, which uh, was a nice uh, change of pace. It would uh, shake things up. Uh, if there was something really cheap uh, that wasn't illegal, I would grab it and then just hold it in my hold until you know it, I had a chance to sell it. Yeah, there there was uh, one element that I like. The economy is pretty dy- dynamic and piracy. Um, so I would raid the mining ships and collect. Um, all the minerals that they were mining and then sit on them for a little bit and then just blow up a couple of ships anyways, just so that they couldn't take resources back to the mining bases. Then you could go back and because they hadn't been getting any minerals, they would pay more for what you had. Yeah. See, I was never a dick like that. <laughs> I just wanted to test it out. Cause it, they were like, Hey, we have a dynamic economy, but the only thing that I was powerful enough to destroy, cause the, the militia might show up if you attack a convoy or they would have escorts anyways. Um, the mining vessels, though, were always just completely blue. Oh, did you run with a mercenary? I did. Okay. I absolutely did. There's no reason not to. Even the cheapest mercenary that I found 
upped my combat effectiveness many times over. Yeah, I wish there was a way to dynamically uh, tell them to uh, uh, focus on something instead of going into his command wheel in the escape menu, scrolling through, which is... Uh, this game feels like it's made for, you know, uh, with a focus on consoles, really, with just a, contr- a control scheme in general. And then set them that way. And then, yeah, if you set them to focus on capital ships only, well, if there's fighters around, he does absolutely nothing. Yeah, they don't have dynamic AI. If you tell them to do one thing, he they will do that thing for forever and never do anything else. Because if you, I thought, well, I'll just tell him to attack my target. And then if I target something, he'll focus on that. And then he'll just fight other stuff the rest of the time. Nope. nope. Flies around in circles with his thumb up his ass. Unless I target something. So I just left him set on target all. And it's also the same for your turrets as well. The ones that can yeah. auto fire. They have the exact same settings. So aside from the flak turrets, which I set um, basically to just attack missiles because they were useless against fighters for some reason. The, the little pulse turrets were way better, at least in my experience. But then I dumped the flag turret. It's just got another pulse turret on the starting ship and never looked back. Um, so, the, I mean, the focus of this game is very clearly the combat. The story is, so far, nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. Pretty generic. Like, oh, you inherit a ship from someone and there's a mysterious artifact with it and you're trying to figure out what that is. Um, the I will say that the the animation quality on you know the various NPCs and stuff as well as the voice acting for an indie game really good i was yeah i did notice uh the bartenders were which you know they're all one of at least two models because i did hit a female bartender at one point that was an australian did did you see the robot bartender cuz i had robot uh, bartender as well i had i didn't have robot bartender but i did have robot npc for story yeah the the scientist guy yeah uh uh, I did have a couple, uh, not quite great uh, voice acting, but yeah, you know, passable. Yeah, you know, really good for an indie game though, which sounds like damn you fake praise, but still. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's in, in my opinion, it's better than old older Bethesda voice acting. <laughs> no, that's yeah, you <know>, low bar. <laughs> fair play, fair play. Um, did you try any of the dynamic encounters, like different ways to solve problems? Uh, not really so there are different ways that you can do things um a lot of combat encounters that you get into if you're in a jam you can hail the you know the pirates or whoever and try and bribe them to stop attacking you sometimes they do sometimes they don't a couple of the missions that i tried had different ways to complete them like there is the story mission uh the scientist guy sends you to get some special materials and he yeah yeah he does offer uh, two options there to just buy the material outright and mine it yeah there's that's where i learned about mining and how yeah just uh, shooting with the turrets doesn't work yeah i i went off mining for a little while before that every great once in a while you can pick up a resource by shooting with your turrets but probably 90 percent of the time but anyways um, there were other missions uh, that uh, gave you different ways to complete them as well. Um, one of the missions, it was one of the other story missions too. Whenever the guy shows up and if you don't just start fighting him outright, if you actually hail him and talk to him, you can bribe him to go away and uh, he gives you something that you can turn into the guy to show that um, some of the other story missions 
give you choices for what to do as well. Or not story missions, the other side missions. I did a lot of side missions, guys. Um, just give you different ways to complete them. I mean, it's not anything like crazy. It's basically just like, oh, you can do choice A or choice B. You know, there's no morality system as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like be a good person and don't go blow up the the civilians. You know, you can go blow them up for easy whatevers. So just just little things that you could do. Different. A little bit of variety. Um, although I never, like, bribed anybody except for when I got into trouble. I would ha- try and hail and bribe. I had one pirate that took my bribe and then killed me anyways, which <laughs> makes sense. It's a pirate. But I was like, oh, that's interesting. Games don't usually do that. Usually if you give them the bribe, they go away. But Yeah, and you could do that as well on the flip side of things. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a story uh, mission where you could do that. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, the combat is where this game really shines, but honestly, it's pretty repetitive. There's not a lot of variety to it. You can, well, the, the, you do unlock a new type of mission in the next sector, uh, a proper escort mission. Okay. And I have to say, uh, be glad uh, you didn't play that because, well, the main problem with it is that because it's procedurally generated, which uh, after the fact, it's like, oh, this is why it's a, a problem. There's no such thing as the, well, let's go back to uh, to Freelancer. The way Freelancer worked for long distance travel uh, in the system was via train lines uh, for the most part. And then, you know, essentially sublight travel uh, 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 past that. Well, because there's no trade lanes in this, and they don't really have a set trade lane in this, you could hit asteroid belts all over the place. Well, the couple escort missions I tried, uh, you uh, meet up with the guy, you uh, sync uh, warp drives, which sounds a lot dirtier than what it actually is, <laughs> and he uh, you know, goes off. Well, because he's just trying to go from point A to point B, he may run into an asteroid belt, and it drops you out of warp because you're too close to, you know, a stellar mass. And so it drops you out of warp. You have to resync. He flies a little bit, starts again. Oh, he hit something else. Oh, now there's a pirate encounter. And it's just very, very frustrating. But there's, you know, it's the pathfinding that's the real problem. Because uh, any ship that you get too close to will drop you out of warp. Any asteroid you get too close to uh, drops you out of warp. And it doesn't feel like there's a really clear path from point A to point B. Nope. And other things will drop you out of warp, too, other than just that. Like, one time I was speeding along, it's, like, too close to stellar mass. I'm like, there's no asteroid or anything. It drops me out of warp, and there was the remnants of a space battle, and there was a ship hull in my path. And it dropped me out of warp for a ship hull. I was like, screw you, game. That that does explain things, though. I, I mean, I didn't realize it was procedurally generated. I just thought there were random asteroid fields all over the place, and I was like... What yeah, the, I didn't what are realize the devs that at, doing? at first. Like, this is kind of annoying because every, every few, I mean, you can't get from point A to point B I mean, anywhere without flying through an asteroid field or a debris a, field. Until or, you start really exploring the map and seeing maybe there's a gap somewhere. Yeah. And it does <clears throat> at least label where asteroid fields are on the map. But it, it does feel like there's a severe problem with just be able to navigate in general and also. Battles feel very clusterfuckish. Yeah. There's no way to really see what's going on around you. And I ended up hitting a problem with one of the story missions that you didn't encounter, 
where you're actually rescuing your aunt. You actually rescue her very early in the story. Well, that's good. Well, in order to do this, you uh, team up with a, a militia uh, member, and uh, you have to uh, destroy shield generators around the space to be able to start firing on it. Well, shield generators are hidden throughout the area. Yeah, there's three of them, of course, because it's always three. But also, if the militia blows up, you know, that's mission failed, and you have to start again. Well, there's no way to really keep track of the militia member's health, and it's tough to find the shield generators already because they're hidden in this asteroid field, or at least at my version of it, it was hidden in this asteroid field around this space station, which is actually smart for the pirates, but still. So I ended up failing twice. Once, I, well, both times I failed. I was still perfectly fine, but once, you know, the uh, militia member just flew in and pretty much blew up immediately. Second <laughs> time, uh, the one of the pirates got uh, tried to fly too close to the station, clipped it, and the militia member saw it was uh, damaged and went in and got blown up. So it was a little frustrating. So I ended up just putting it off and uh, just building up my power, upgrading to another ship to uh, have more omnidirectional fire by having another turret slot and uh, decreasing my broadsides. Which, even the broadside, I I don't like how they handled the camera for the broadsides because they lower it whenever you're aiming. And you can't really tell unless you're using the audio cue but there's so much noise going on in space ironically enough it's hard to hear okay i'm fully charged or even to see if i'm locking onto something if i'm trying to aim at something above my plane well there's an article or not an article uh on the reticle it tells you how charged your shot is i didn't really run into although this could be part of the procedural generation too if i've got a different like background than you do uh, possibly. I didn't have any problems seeing it, except when I was in, like, those well, nebula clouds or whatever. Don't know. Well, well, I'm trying to talk about the actual aiming, not how charged I am. Right. But, uh, for the most part. And I really hated the uh, lock-on feature, because there was a couple times I tried to lock onto a ship that was badly damaged, and it kept saying, no, no, you should fire at this one. Because they were both at about the same uh, degrees uh, from me. Yeah. And I ended up fighting it, and, uh, you know, one time it took me a lot longer to destroy a ship because I was able to get its shield back up, which was irritating. And even the scanner, it's not really a good way to see what's around you, because you pulse the scanner, and then you go to map view, and you just see hostile, hostile, hostile. It doesn't label anything. Well, you can press tab to activate the scanner, like the local scanner, and it pauses, does like oh, that, an active Even that pauser. doesn't really help. I'm mostly tried to do that with the actual battle to be able to babysit the battleship that was coming with me. Right. Okay. Because there's just so many uh, fighters that was just being swarmed. I gotcha. Yeah, I never, I never had any problems with. Well, but I didn't get there though. I don't know how many fighters. Yeah, there you didn't. Yeah, you didn't get that far. But yeah, I never had any problems with fighters or gunships. Occasionally, a bomber, like a really high level bomber, would get do some serious damage to me and then just running into too high a level a capital ship otherwise i didn't have any i, I well, didn't particularly the, uh, well, like well, the broadsides also- but i didn't like manually controlling the turrets either so most yeah, of the time just flying around most of the time i would just tool around and let the auto turrets do it and pr- practice my flying you could actually do some pretty nifty maneuvers 
Um, like I, I figured out how to do like a J turn. So if one of my shields got damaged, I just do a J turn and flip mm-hmm. around the other side of the ship really quickly while my shield popped back up and, uh, doing a lot of like charge in and retreat maneuvers. I mean, I, yeah, I do yeah, broadside the deflector. I, I, I did get, well, my other issue is that the game team uh, seems to really want to rely on uh, the AI telling you, yo, well, missiles inbound or, uh, yo, uh, collision warning. And from at least with my setup, the camera felt very sluggish. So I couldn't uh, keep an eye all, all around me outside of what I was actually focused on. So there was a couple times that I had an enemy uh, capital ship cut in front of me. And it didn't say collision warning until I was actually hitting the damn thing. Yeah. Ramming ramming is pretty effective, though. Pop your yeah, deflector pr- pr- before t- you ram because the deflector well, makes well, you invulnerable for a few seconds. Yeah, for a set amount of damage as well, but also there's deflectors that increase the amount of ramming damage you do in the next sector. Nice. Uh, yeah, it feels like they have the hook with the uh, soundtrack and everything, but then uh, the first sector isn't nearly as good as it should be. Yeah, yeah, they. Well, they also throw in a few other flavors, like the uh, the annihilation missions. You know, go uh, take the carry this bounty, that sort of thing. Yeah, they start uh, throwing in swarms of fighters uh, to take care of, and I'm talking, you know, a dozen fighters, which could be interesting for you know a capital ship. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the ship designs? I really like the ship designs. They're very diverse. I did too. They're, yeah, there were a lot of different ones. There's some that feel very sleek, very, you know, I guess you would say like modern sci-fi. Then there's ships that feel very like 1950s sci-fi. And then there's like some really messy, like, look like they're built out of garbage ships. But, are you know, they look... I mean, they look like the Mad Max of spaceships. I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to say it. They've got yeah, some, some of really the ships are ju- uh, some of the uh, bigger ones are just nice and chunky. Yeah, I feel like real capital ships. The dreadnoughts. Like I went, and I looked up all the ships in the game. There's twenty something ships. Well, what you, you can play? Uh, well, uh, well, in the second sector, I was starting to see the option to buy them, but they get expensive quickly. I mean, I'm talking several million uh, credits. Yeah, in my first sector, I had a couple of destroyers that were purchasable that were like three million, four million credits a piece, and like the first, I didn't have any of that. But uh, once I got uh, to the second sector, I got the you know, destroyers and the battleships and that sort of thing. Yeah. So good ship and designs. Yeah, they were very impressive looking. Good sound design as well, beyond just the soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. There's a wide variety of sci-fi noises, I guess, is the best way to say it. A lot of pew-pew. A lot, lot of pew-pew. And that's good. That's what you want in this, is a lot of pew-pew. A lot of really uh, high-quality particle effects and explosions. <laughs> which is good. Good for the pew-pew. So, is, is there anything we haven't covered? Oh, trying to think if there's uh, anything really... Uh, uh, did you ever try it with a, a gamepad? I didn't. I did... Um, it says that it has full controller support, I think. Let me go double check that. Yeah, it says full controller support, but it, it felt weird. Like certain, like I had to use the mouse to do things sometimes too. Like controlling the ship was fine with a controller, 
Um, it didn't really make anything better or any worse. But I also didn't have that laggy camera issue issue like you did. Yeah, it, I it just felt so sluggish. I assume it's just because I had my mouse sensitivity a lot. Oh uh, no, I tried. The, I, no, I tried that. I turned it all the way up, and it still felt sluggish. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm more sensitive to cameras than you. Maybe you are. It also could be because I wasn't focusing too much on the actual broadside aspect. Like, I was more of a, like an opportunity. Like, oh, a ship flew past me. Let me see if I can hit it real quick. Um, and I was mostly just piloting the ship. And when you're not zoomed into the broadside camera, it's a lot faster and more responsive. Yeah, it, yeah and every time I would switch to mining mode to you know, <clears throat> shoot an asteroid, it kept saying, you should switch to broadsides to be able to see more. Uh, I, I'm shooting a fucking asteroid here. I hate. Is there any way to turn off those help icons? Because every time is, I would but... drop out of warp, it would be like, you know, you don't have to manually drop out of warp most of the time. But actually you do, because the fucking detection on the warp is terrible. It drops you out of warp for a half a spaceship hole and randomly. But if you want to drop out near a space station, unless you fly directly at it, you're right. just going to zip right it, on by. Yeah, you drop out of warp in the space station. Yeah. In dock. I actually had that happen once, because if you get too close, that, it auto-docks. Yeah, that has to be disconcerting for the space station crew. <laughs> Where did this ship come from? Well, he just came straight out of warp right in here. Yeah, that's the Ace Ventura style of uh, of uh, docking. Yeah. Or uh, or do you remember the second Ace Ventura movie? I do. Where, where, he, where he parks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to bring up. Any more points or any questions? Over, uh, yeah. Overall, did you like it? Dislike it? I, I liked it for the most part. It's clunky. It, it it's definitely not designed for PC in mind. Uh, at least in my opinion, just with how you have to handle like little things like uh, cargo management. Well, it's it's uh, I don't know if it's originally released for PS4 or if it was released at I the same time PS4, as PS4, but, but it is on PS4. So yeah, it's definitely focused on the P- on the PS4 release because damn, and that probably uh, uh, makes sense now why some things require the mouse because touchpad. Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense actually. It makes a lot of sense. Um it probably would work better with my Steam controller. When I think of it, I'll have to give that a shot too. I do want to finish it. I mean, I love spin it, space games. The combat in this is phenomenal. Um Yeah, it just gets very repetitive because they keep throwing the enemies at you over and over and over again. If if the spectacle ever wears off, there's not much left to the game. And that sort of thing tends to stick with me longer than it does for you. But, yeah, if the spectacle ever wears off, there's nothing left in this game. The trade mechanics yeah, are not that, good. The mining I will say that good. upgrade warp uh, seemed to help with uh, the random encounters. I'm not sure if it's on a timer or you know, a set percentage after uh, you know, being in warp for so long. But I did upgrade my warp to be faster. And it seemed like uh, that uh, did decrease the number of times I got stopped. Yeah, I don't. So I'm thinking it's like some sort of percentage. <clears throat> It might be. I don't... I mean, I, I upgraded my warp drive to... I don't remember if I had the maximum one or not, because there was like three levels available to me. I only... I think I only got two, but I also had an upgraded booster so I could escape a lot easier. Yeah. And, and they flat out tell you, focus on defense first, which is a little strange for a space game. Yeah. Which I did do. Um, You know, 99% of the time, I had no problems. You know, even if my shields got dropped and I took some damage, like, I never had any massive issues. 
But that 1% of the time, specifically when I would get dropped out of warp right in the middle of a group of enemies that I couldn't escape, mm -hmm. then I would just get overwhelmed. Yeah, and then you lose a bunch of progress. Yep. So. And uh, they, unless you force quit to the uh, title screen after completing a mission, they really punish you if you start doing a lot of missions back-to-back uh, -back without going back to station because you're running a risk of uh, losing a hell of a lot of progress. Yeah. Not only that, but, I mean, your ship, unless you have the module that allows you to repair your ship in space, you just start racking up damage over time, which causes your yeah. ship to perform more poorly. Yeah, and that's only uh, internal damage as well, so, you know, your hull isn't uh, getting repaired. Granted, uh, with some creative use of deflector and flight, that can be mitigated. Yeah. Like my J-turn. I was so excited when I, heard, when I learned how to do that. I was like, oh, it's kind of like I'm in Battlestar Galactica. Kind of. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I yeah, what, also... some of, uh, what some of the ships do look like they come out of Battlestar. Yeah, they do. Um, Especially some of the more flat, I think it's the militia designs. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting that vibe from them, actually. Either that or, like, the Daedalus from uh, uh, Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I didn't think of that about that before, but yeah, I could see that. Um, but I also enjoy the game and would recommend it. Uh, it's normally twenty bucks on Steam. Yeah, I'm not sure about the twenty dollar price tag. It's for me. It would be an easy five dollar purchase and a and pretty was. solid ten dollar purchase, I think. And yeah, I, I paid five bucks for this uh, when it was on sale. What two two months ago? The the mm -hmm. Halloween sale, month and a half. Uh, yeah, and a half. Yeah. So I, I paid five bucks for it. Definitely worth five bucks. When I'm, you know, as long as the spectacle doesn't wear off for me, I'll probably get twenty five hours, thirty hours out of it, and that's a great. Five yeah, I'm not purchase. sure how the. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how the uh, how long the story actually is because uh, how long to beat said twenty hours, and I barely got out of that first sector. Granted, once you do, uh, you do well. Uh, they keep throwing walls at you. That's the probably the thing that puts me off from it the most. The freelancer is, problem. Well, yeah, but this is uh, a lot smaller, but more numerous walls. Like, for example, to leave the first system, you have to buy a jump drive, which is 75,000 credits. Thankfully, I uh, happened to buy it beforehand, but if I didn't, you know, that would be, you know, grinding out a few more missions. But also getting into the next sector, you start seeing more expensive uh, commodities to you know, just randomly pick up and hold on to. And the uh, price of uh, missions go up. And also, I did happen to join a couple of guilds, which also unlocks extra missions. Which, uh, did you join any guilds? No, I didn't. Or, uh, I joined the Merchant Guild, which is a lot of uh, convoy stuff. You know, uh, some of it was actually go buy the cargo and then tr deliver it, which, fuck you. <laughs> You're not paying me that much. Or dead drops, which the dead drops are interesting. Did you do one of those? Yeah, I did several dead drops. Um, yeah, they're uh, just a cargo container floating out in the middle of space. You uh, loot it, and then enemies jump in. Yeah, they're probably which, the easiest mission to complete. Yeah, which I did like, uh, you know, occasionally in an asteroid uh, field finding uh, things like uh, just a cargo container just floating there. Yeah, you know, like somebody uh, was making room for more uh, minerals or that sort of thing. Yeah, or I mean, that was a nice little touch. Battle. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely yeah, stuff the... going on in the world even when you're not there. Yeah, and there was a lot of junk fields as well. 
yeah. at least in my uh, system, uh, you know, like there was a old war that happened. Yeah, I did not have, I had a couple of junk fields, but mine were mostly asteroid fields, and I had a ton, I mean a ton of, uh, like, nebulas that had lightning storms or something in them. I only encountered the nebula with the lightning storm once. I did occasionally get the uh, sensor scrambler one, but that was a rarity in my system. Mine was just uh, littered with asteroid fields and junk fields. Yeah, I had one. Which the junk fields didn't do uh, that much resources. It was mostly the asteroid fields. And a couple times there was an asteroid, uh, a couple mountable asteroids right outside of the base. I'll just go loot those and then uh, carry the resources back. I had I had one field that I went to. This was on a dead drop mission that was lightning storm and sensor scrambler. Ew. It was pretty it was pretty bad. Made it difficult to fight because you get struck by lightning and one of your shields goes down. <laughs> Thankfully it doesn't do any hull damage, but every, yeah. every time the lightning hits you it a random shield drops. Yeah, that's not fun. And then I had no sensors, so I couldn't tell where the enemies were. So I still had the flat cannon at the time, so I just held down shift and span and spun around in circles until all the enemy ships died. Ah, uh, spin to win. Yeah, it worked out all right. So yeah, pretty good game. Um, story is a little lacking. Story is a little lacking, and this is the spectacle. If it wears off, there's not a lot left to the game. I mean, yeah, it's- this is not a game I would suggest playing for long periods of time uh, uh, in huge chunks. It's a good, uh, you know, come to it every so often. Yeah, but God, the soundtrack is really good. I mean, just like... I think my biggest problem with the soundtrack, and this is going to sound weird, is that several of the background uh, songs have vocals in it, uh, so I kept picking them out. Yeah. I like that, though. I mean, it's different. Most, every, every other game I've ever played, like, usually the backing soundtrack is always, like, orchestral or very quiet, and this has some of that, too. But also rock and and something that seems borderline metal occasionally, but not quite mm-hmm. going across the line. But there's also like some twangy stuff as well, which is what gives it that Firefly feel. You're driving yeah. around in one of the sort of, not exactly the junkie ships, but one of the ones that's a, like not symmetrical. And then, yeah. and then that music comes on and it's like, yeah, I'm in Firefly, right? Just just for a minute. It's good. Really good. Yeah, until Fox, uh, Fox cancels you. Yeah. And airs your uh, story out of order. <laughs> but, yeah. If if you want a cheap sci-fi game with some good pew-pews, pick this up on sale for five bucks, maybe ten bucks, if you've, you know, got a little more money to spend or are a little more tolerant of this sort of stuff. I would say, though, definitely five bucks. It's been on sale for that a few times. It was, yeah, it's a shame that they never did much post-patch uh, support because there are a few things that, you know, could have been polished up a little bit, I think. Yeah. So that is that. Which means that it's time for us to announce what our next month's game club is going to be. And this is a good one. You people, you people out there, particularly our longtime listeners, better contribute to this one because we're doing Kerbal Space Program. Speaking of asymmetrical flight. Yeah. (laughs) The, The game that started it all. It's been at least a year since I've played and you st- yeah about that as well yeah so i mean you know we're gonna we're both gonna do mods we're not gonna like do the same set of mods i don't think because you use more than me but mm-hmm. you know the general gist of the gameplay is the same unless you 
do a lot of really crazy mods, which you might, but you know, we can still talk <laughs> about it and you're free to use yeah. whatever mods you want to as well. Um, it might be nice if you, when you write in your letters to your listeners, several of you I have in mind and you know who you are. Um, are write, you going to be poking people? Yes, I am. Uh, it would be nice if you submitted your mod list, but you don't have to. Or at least the, you know, the major ones. Yeah. Yeah, and we will do the same. We'll list maybe our biggest, most important mods, because I've got a few that I know are going to be on there. And then the others, you know. But yeah, we're going to be doing KSP next. So that will be our December Game Club, which might actually be in January, just because of holiday timings and family travel, particularly for me. But we'll figure it out, and we'll announce it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, Isn't the last Tuesday of the month... The 26th of December? Uh, yes, it is. It is, and I'll be on a plane that day, so... May have to... Uh, well, the the next Tuesday would be the 2nd of January. Yeah, we might we might do it then. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll talk about it later. Figure it out. Anyways, on to our first sort of news topic. Um, Just the absolute mess that is loot boxes. <laughs> well, more so than usual. Yeah. Because, wow. <laughs> yeah, initially, I think last week, we said, oh, we're going to have a good topic to talk about on the show. And, I mean, it is a, a big, good topic that needs to be discussed. But there's been so much that has and is currently happening on this whole loot box thing. Yeah, multiple governments investigating. Uh, uh, people win uh, regulations. Uh, kind of funny that the ESRB hasn't said a fucking thing lately, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of funny. Um, we have, what, like, seven, eight, ten links? It's hard to tell. It's a mishmash down there. But, uh... Oh, there's also, uh, uh, well, one of the uh, late ones that I added was, uh, how uh, EA's, uh, uh, was talking about how they had to, uh, use this system because, uh, they didn't want to put cosmetic microtransactions into Star Wars because of canon reasons, because... (laughs) Yeah. I was actually taking a drink of my water when you said that, and I hadn't heard that. That was a real reaction from me, choking on yeah, my water. Uh, uh, Chief Financial Officer says, Faithfulness to Star Wars canon prevented a cosmetic microtransaction model for Star Wars Battlefront 2. Right. But it allowed loot box gambling for literally I mean, everything sure, else. I mean, sure, I do understand not putting Darth Vader in a funny hat, but um, just... For one, how many variants are there on stormtroopers? A lot. There's a lot of different stormtroopers. How many variants uh, in outfit did Luke go through in the trilogy? Several. I don't know how many, but if I sat down, I could probably tell you. But no time. I mean, Darth Vader is pretty much the only constant, to be perfectly honest. Because- Actually, Darth Vader has got a couple of different suits. Um, those are more from the extended universe, but he does well, have some different suit types. Well, remember, I've only really uh, watched the movies. That's fair. That's fair. In the movies, he's only got, I think, two different suits. And one of them is different from, is it Return of the Jedi? I don't know. There's a it's difference. It's very in, subtle. Yeah, it's a subtle difference. It's just like a, a very slight change to the, the helmet design. 
but yeah, something that you really wouldn't notice unless you're looking for it. But yeah, you're. I don't think anybody was calling for Hello Kitty, uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> I am now. Give me, give me that Hello Kitty, Darth Vader. Uh, but yeah, there was options. Yeah, and I, I'm not joking that somebody actually did a Hello Kitty, Darth Vader ages ago, and I am linking it to you in just a moment. Oh, good. I can't wait to see this. Where are you, Skype chat? There you are. Give it to me. <laughs> oh, yes, please. I want I want Hello Kitty Darth Vader. And a different variant. <laughs> I like I like the other one better with, with more pink. Of course you would. Um But yeah, there, there is options. I think part of this may just be Disney wanting, you know, full creative control, which, you know, obviously that worked out well for him. And wanting to vet everything. And also just greed, so. Yeah. Because, yeah, they probably looked at the various <clears throat> uh, various studies on different pay- payment models, and it's like, well, this one makes all the money. This one only makes most of the money. And it ties back into the loot box thing because, you know, th- this has been the, you know, the final thing because, you know, Star Wars is, it's not the biggest intellectual property on the planet. It's one of the most uh, prominent. Yeah. And it's gotten attention of a lot of people that it wouldn't normally. And it's been in non-gaming news circles. And granted, some of it is just uh, people saying, well, the gamers are upset because they have to pay more, but they don't really understand what that means. And uh, what's also funny is that there's uh, another link, and I'm just making the show notes even worse if I include all of these, uh, how there was an, uh, an analyst talking about how gamers should uh, pay more, that it's still the best uh, bang for the buck entertainment was. But if you start following this guy's trail... It turns out he works for EA. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> I mean, games are typically the best bang for your buck in terms of entertainment value. But I mean, I, I wouldn't mind to pay more money for video games if that meant that these all these systems wouldn't be in there. But we can't trust the companies to not to do that. They would just charge more and then put the other systems back in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's uh, you know where it all falls apart is that. The games industry is not built around trust to begin with. Yeah. We did kind of get off topic a little bit, though. I mean, we Mm -hmm. were just going to kind of get the high points. But, I mean, you really covered it with one sentence. Multiple governments investigating these being forms of gambling. uh, Including uh, the Hawaii state government. And they're talking with other state governments to join in. Because, oh boy, this is going to be fun. And and I love that the... Was he the governor or... Uh, I'm not sure... Uh, uh, who he was, but he was talking about how it's a trap. Yeah, yeah, he called it, it's, it's, it's a trap. And, and the internet collectively went, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, Australia's already said that they uh, think think they're organized, blah, words. Australia has already said that they are gambling, and they're putting it forward to their 
whatever committee or commission that handles regulations for that sort of thing for them to do like the preliminary findings found that it was gambling and they're moving it up the chain to the next level. And Australia is one of the countries that's most known for censorship it and Germany really for, well, not censorship, but having, you know, government already controlling or having government run regulations and rules for the games industry. So there's no surprise on that one. Uh, and we'll see how that turns out for Australia, but yeah, this is uh, yeah, things are getting crazy. Yeah, I I suspect what's going to happen over the next few months, you know, six eight months, maybe a year tops, is the governments that are already have good consumer protections and already have um, government regulations around entertainment industries are going to come down on this hard. Um, and, and it's there's going to be, be pretty, and it's not going to be pretty for them. And then in places where they video the industry, you know, polices itself, U.S. Yeah, the U.S. and some parts, some places in Europe and North and South America. Or, yeah, the Americas, and then a few places in Europe, really, where the ESRB uh, operates. Um, we're gonna see them scale back loot boxes. I suspect they're gonna go full cosmetic for loot boxes. Um, so that they still keep that monetization method, but they say, oh, no, no, it doesn't affect anything. It's only cosmetics, which we all know is bullshit anyways, but it'll be enough that the government doesn't step in and do anything. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's the most likely scenario. I mean, anything could happen, but that that seems most likely, especially with our current government here in the States. Yeah, which is disappointing, but... uh I'm still shocked that the ESRB has been completely silent because they are the uh, regulation or the uh, the body that's supposed to regulate to keep the government out of it, and they've been completely silent. Yeah, there was a new group that popped up that was saying that they were going to take yeah, specifically take over for this, but there's some evidence to suggest that it was it's a person or a group of people actually just trolling. It's difficult to tell because it. There's a lot of official evidence to support them, but then also some people are saying, no, no, this is us trolling. So as of yet, like that's currently breaking news. Probably by the time the podcast goes live, we'll know for sure. But that happened this afternoon. So crazy shit. Yeah, it's a mess. We've got a bunch of links. Who knows? There might be some more in there by the time the show goes live. If you really want to dig into this and when we have sort of a, some concrete, things to talk about we'll probably do a post-mortem post-mortem of this on the show but otherwise hopefully it's not a post-mortem of the industry yeah but i mean there's just so much stuff going right now and so many things changing it's just difficult to do a a good solid topic on it we'll we'll keep you posted as things go but for now that's probably the the best that we can do all right well should we do a nice light topic or do we want to quickly uh, move along to Community Corner? Um, Yeah, we've got a hard out tonight in exactly one hour. From... Let's let's do the Golden Joysticks. Let's do it. Okay. Let's, All we'll, right. We'll so the Golden Joysticks were announced, uh, or the winners were, uh, pretty much right after our last podcast. And you know, this is going to be a nice little bash on the industry, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I've... I haven't looked at the winners. I didn't look that up on purpose because I thought we might talk about it on the show. So what I've done is I've opened a, a link that has the nominees, and you said you were going to ask me what what I thought yeah. won the categories. 
Yeah, I'm just going to go right down the list of the winners here. And it's so nice that this site uh, blocks the video when I have an ad blocker on. That's uh, lovely. Uh, so, uh, the first uh, category here is the Ultimate Game of the Year. Oh, good. They're not in the same order as they are on the uh, nomination. Of course website. they're not. Ultimate Game of the Year, okay? Yeah, it came down uh, to Assassin's Creed Origins, Destiny 2, <clears throat> Dishonored 2, Horizon Zero Dawn, Monument Valley 2, which wasn't even fully out when this was, uh, you know, these nominees were posted, Persona 5, Player Nuns Battlegrounds, because, you know, early access game, uh, Resident Evil 7, Super Mario Odyssey, or The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Okay. Um, there's several good games on this list. There's a lot of garbage on there, too. Uh, for my money, it's going to come down to Zelda, Mario, and PUBG. Uh, Mario. Super Mario Odyssey. Zelda. Okay. They, at least it wasn't PUBG. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that Player Notes Battlegrounds is on this on, on these uh, categories multiple times is disturbing. Uh, I mean, it's not even fully released. Yep. I'm sure it won something. I'm sure it did. The oh, only positive the only positive part of that is if it did, we people like we can finally be saying, "Look, Early access games, if they can win awards, they can receive as much criticism as anything else. You can't hide behind that as a defensive criticism. But it's criticism. a beta. Yeah, whatever. Okay, but, so next up on this list is handheld mobile game of the year because yo, that, that's uh, yeah, fair to put those two together. Uh, the nominees are Dragon Quest. Uh, was that eight? Journey of the Cursed King. Yep. Ever Oasis. Fire Emblem Heroes, and that's actually the reason why I checked it out, because it's like, yeah, I'll check it out if it's on the list. Uh, Frame 2, which I've never even heard of. Hidden Folks. Milkmaid of the Milky Way Galaxy, which, that, that sounds like an anime booby game if there ever was one. It does. It really does. Uh, Monument Valley 2, Old Man's Journey, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and Super Mario Run. I mean, it has so, to be... Sorry. Uh, I, I, say, I was saying there's only a couple of these that are actually proper you know, uh, handheld games. The rest are mobile. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it has to be Pokemon, right? Pokemon won, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, Pokemon. Okay. All right. That's, whew, the world is still spinning. Pro- like, the universe <laughs> is fine for now. Uh, don't worry. Uh, things will go off the rails soon enough. Okay, so next on my list is the Nintendo Game of the Year. Which, you know, the, some of these uh, are pretty much Nintendo Game of the Year anyway. And I am i don't really have any uh, uh, idea what a couple of these are. ARMS, which is the fighting game. Bird Boy, which who knows what the hell that is. Yeah, I don't know what Mario that is. Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. Uh, yeah, Mario uh, XCOM. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Metroid, Samus Returns. Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, Stipper Clips, which I think is only here because it was a lunch title. Splatoon 2, Super Mario Odyssey, which wasn't even released when this came when these were nominated, by the way. And Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, I want it to be Mario plus Rabbids, but I know it's not. It's probably... I mean, if, if Zelda won Game of the Year, mm-hmm. wouldn't it also win Nintendo Game of the Year? So I'm going to say Zelda. Yeah, well, it did. Uh, Zelda won uh, both Nintendo Game of the Year and Ultimate Game of the Year. But remember, this was a popular vote, so yeah. 
Oh, okay. So Xbox, oh, sorry, PlayStation Game of the Year, which, you know, no real uh, dog in this fight. Everybody's Gold, whoever the hell that is. Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Next Machia, Nuer Adama, Doe, Persona 5, Stark, The Last Guardian, Uncharted Lost Legacy, or Yakuza 0. I actually know like what three quarters of these games are, um, well, but I haven't played me. any of them. I've just heard mm-hmm. people talk about them on podcasts. I'm going to guess Horizon Zero Dawn. So many people have said that that was like their game of the year contender anyways. it's. I mean, that's going to be my guess for PlayStation game of the year. Horizon Zero Dawn. Well, you got it. <laughs> I'm bad at that. I swear to God, I'm not cheating. I swear. <laughs> I just have my finger on the pulse of the gaming industry. Now watch. I'm going to miss all the rest of them. Uh, I would say more you're feeling the prostate. <laughs> That's fine with me. Okay, so Xbox Game of the Year. Cuphead. Dead Rising 4. Forza Motorsport 7. Gears of War 4. Gigantic. Halo Wars 2. Pit People. Slime Rancher. Tacoma. Oh, none of these? None of them? Um, <laughs> None of them? Really? Uh, um, One of them... All right, so it's between Cuphead, Gears of War 4, and maybe Dead Rising. But I'm going to go with Cuphead since it's the most recent, and it's been doing really good numbers. And you got that one. Yes. The the fact that Cuphead beat out uh, Gears of War says something, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, Gears of War 4, one, it came out at the start of the year, and two, it wasn't very good. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so... PC Game of the Year. Oh, boy. Dream Daddy. No, I'm not making that one up. Endless yeah, Space 2. I love Dream one Daddy. One Shot. Planet Coaster. Player Nuns Battlegrounds. Rising Storm 2 Vietnam. Stories Untold. Total War t- uh, Total War ha- Warhammer 2. Total Warhammer 2. Warhammer 40k Dawn of War 3. Or Western uh, West of Loathing. So... Congratulations to Endless Space 2 and West of Loathing and Dream Daddy for making it on the list. <laughs> Good showing. Maybe even Planet Coaster 2. Uh, unfortunately, you're going up against PUBG, which is like the PC gaming sensation of the year. It has to be PUBG, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the fact that it beat out these. Yeah. I, well, I've, uh, well, I've talked about it before. Player Nets Battlegrounds has to be the most bland battle royale game there is. There's so many other ones that actually throw in some sort of odd mechanic. This is just anyway a Critics Choice Award. Is that on here? Uh, Critics Choice. Uh, I don't see it. So no, uh, it's, this, yeah, it's this not is, on here. Okay, they gave it to. Uh, well, do you want to try to guess? Uh, is there like a list that you can? No. Okay, Critics' Choice Award. Um, Super Mario Odyssey? Legend of Zelda. Okay. I figured it was going to be one of those, but the critics would have had access to it before mm-hmm. the general public, so. Yeah, so it was the year of Nintendo so far, huh? Yeah. All right, so Lifetime Achievement, uh, Sid Meier. I'm not going to force you to try to guess that one. Okay. Okay, so Best Storytelling. Horizon Zero Dawn, New Year Automa. Night in the Woods, Persona 5, Prey, Pyre, Tacoma, Torrent, 
Tides of Westnomra, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, or What Remains of Edith Fitch? Oh, this one's tough. This one will be tough, because Nier Automata had some really good storytelling mm-hmm. aspects to it. Did, did some interesting things with, you know, replay, like second and third playthroughs and stuff. Horizon Zero Dawn has been talked about super positively for the way it handles its story. A couple of these other games, like Empire... Have been uh, also very have praised. Been praised. And uh, I'm going to go mainstream and guess Horizon. And you got it. Yes. I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm super proud of this. Yeah. Well, are you sure you aren't cheating? I swear to God, I'm not cheating. Okay. So, best visual design Cuphead. <laughs> not even uh, wanting the list you don't i mean i can see the list of the nominees i've just been letting you read them for the listeners but it's cuphead i wouldn't even need a list to tell you that this year cuphead dishonored 2 uh final fantasy 15 gene Agnog? what the hell is that supposed to be <laughs> i've never heard of that before uh horizon zero dawn uh, little nightmares monument valley 2 dying the woods persona 5 pyre or Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild Cuphead. I mean, uh, that's that's an obvious one. That one's a gimme, yeah. That's like the star in the middle of your bingo card. Okay, so best audio. Destiny 2. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, Hellblade, uh, Sona Sacrifice. Horizon Zero Dawn. Life is Strange Before the Storm. Hey, uh, Life is Strange finally showed up. Uh, Little Nightmares, Persona 5. Project Cars 2. Pyre. Ram. A, a Sniper Elite 4, Tacoma, or Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. All right. What deserves to win that is Hellblade. But it's an indie game, so it very clearly didn't win when it's stacked up against AAA titles. Are you sure? I think so. Um, I don't know if you're trying to trick me. I'm between Horizon, Zelda, and Destiny. This one's the one that I really don't know. Uh, I'm going to guess Zelda just because it's won a few other categories. And you got it. Yeah. All right. Best gaming performance. Ashley Birch as Alloy in Horizon Zero Dawn. Brian Bloom as BJ Brashowitz in uh, Wolfenstein, The Deuce Colossus. Claudia Black as Chloe Frazier in Uncharted. Friar Wolf as Ryder in Mass Effect <laughs> Andromeda. Sorry. <laughs> oh, was that mean of me? Maybe a little bit, but it's okay. It's uh, Jack brand. brand as Jack uh, back, uh, Baker in uh, uh, Resident Evil Seven. Kyle Brown as Rachel Amber in Life is Strange: Before the Storm, or Kaylee Brown. Sorry, I didn't see the eye there for a moment. Melia Jernerins, uh, uh, Sonya in Hellblade: Sonya's Sacrifice. Or Nathan Fillion as Clyde Six in Destiny Two. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's I'm gonna guess it's gonna in in my mind it's between Ashley Birch as Alloy again as you know since Horizon Zero Dawn has received a lot of praise and her character specifically received a lot of praise this year. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she did a really good job, Frida or Frida Wolf as Ryder in Mass Effect mm-hmm. Andromeda, that's one that game was had too many problems on launch and came yeah, I couldn't help myself uh, to chuckle. And then Nathan Fillion, who I really want to vote for or cast it to, even though I don't think he's the actual winner because it's Nathan Fillion and I love Nathan Fillion. 
he had a much bigger part in Destiny 2 compared to Destiny 1 as well. So really, I'm between Nathan Fillion and Ashley Birch. I I think it'll be Ashley Birch from Horizon. Yep. But to be fair, uh, it's already won several awards, so... Yeah, it has already won several awards. Okay, so this one's going to be a fun one. Best Indie Game. Okay. Dream Daddy, Everything, Friday the 13th, uh, the game. Sorry, Friday the 13th, the game. They don't have the 13th here. That's odd. Uh, Night in the Woods, Pyre, Slime Rancher, Stories Untold, Tacoma, Tumbleweed Park, or What Remains of Edith Fitch. Best Indie Game. Oh, that's tough. Um, several of these on this list are very good. And a couple of the ones that aren't very good still have got really big cult followings because of what they are. And I'm a little shocked that it's not see Cuphead here. Isn't yeah. it indie? Uh, I think Microsoft wound up publishing them. So, oh, all right. Um, I didn't. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, that's why it's got PC and Xbox One exclusivity. Of course. Um, huh. Friday the Thirteenth wasn't a good game, but it has a super huge following because it's Friday the Thirteenth. So I that's a contender in my mind. Um, but so is Slime Rancher. So is Slime Rancher. Slime Rancher was has received quite a lot of success this year, even though in my opinion it's not a very good game. But a lot of people like it. It just didn't connect with me. Dream Daddy has been the most recent indie darling because of what it is, and also who uh, produced it. Yeah, I think I think recency bias is going to give it to Dream Daddy. And you would be wrong. Ah, oh, my first one wrong. Okay, so what was it? Friday the 13th, the game. Shit. That was my next choice. But I just went, I, I went with my heart. I wanted Dream Daddy to win. <laughs> okay. Okay, best multiplayer game. Absolver, Battlefield 1, Destiny 2, FIFA 18, Friday the 13th, the game. See, they gave the 13th there, but not there. Uh, Injustice 2, Lawbreakers. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Vidhog 2, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, Pro Evolution Soccer uh, 2018, or Splatoon 2? That is a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, I suspect it's probably between PUBG and Battlefield 1. But FIFA's a huge series that might have just received some bulk votes anyways. But Battlefield 1... And also released. the Nintendo bias as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't want it to, but I think Player Unknown's Battlegrounds probably won this one too. Yeah, because if it's not, a popular vote. Okay. Oh, I thought you I thought you were guessing it. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna guess. If not, my second guess is Battlefield One. Okay, so Studio of the Year, and some of these I don't recognize. Arcane Studios, Balski Productions, Creative Assembly, Guerrilla Games, Machine Games, Nether Realm, Ninja Theory. Nintendo EPD, uh, PUBG Corporation, Platinum, or Rebellion? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I have absolutely no clue. Because some of the studios, yeah, I don't know what games that they have made. I'm just going to say Nintendo. Uh, and that's uh, the obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the obvious I one. I mean, it's all, I'm, people always vote for Nintendo. Yeah. All right, best VR game. Okay. Dead Effect 2 VR, Farpoint, Good Dog. Uh, sorry. Good I have dog. no idea. <laughs> uh, what am I supposed to pronounce that? G N O G? G Nog. 
Uh, Resident Evil 7, Res Infinite, Robo Recall, Super Hot VR, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew, Stayak, Thumper, Thumper, and uh, Wilson's Heart. But remember, it's Wilson's Heart, not House's Head. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, Resident Evil 7 was called by many the best VR experience of the year earlier in the year. Um, but then uh, things like Star Trek. Star came Trek out. came out. That this is another really tough one. Uh, m- many of these I haven't heard of either, so I don't even know. My guess is going to be Resident Evil Seven with Star Trek Bridge Crew is the second. And well, you got first place at least. Okay, so Resident Evil Seven won. Good. All right, should I just go uh, all the esports stuff and just name it off? Yeah, I don't or, know except any. for the esports game of the year because that would be a fun one. Yeah, I don't know the play or the team or any of yeah, that shit. Achilles and Lunatica, whatever the hell those are, are for a play of the year and a team of the year. So, esports game of the year. Oh, boy. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Dota 2, FIFA 17, League of Legends, Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege, Rocket League, Smite, StarCraft 2. All right, I can tell you it's not going to be Smite. I can tell you it's not going to be Infinite Warfare. And beyond that, actually, I can also tell you it's not going to be Rainbow Six Siege. But beyond that, I don't know. StarCraft II had some had a, a big downturn this year. So I'm going to guess not them. But, I mean, StarCraft II is still a juggernaut, so maybe. Rocket League seems to have picked up a lot of popularity this year. And, I mean, it was already popular, but it's just grown this year. Mm-hmm. Overwatch is huge because Blizzard pushes it. League and Dota are both giants. I don't get FIFA, but again, FIFA is super popular in Europe and pretty much everywhere else in the It world is technically, well, outside of Rocket League, the only eSport here. Yeah. CSGO is also a juggernaut, so... And that has Valve behind it. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is just 100%, I guess. I'm going to go with... Overwatch. And you got it. <laughs> nice. Okay, so should I just give you a best streamer broadcaster? Actually, I know most of these. Okay. Um, so Hannah Roth III, Jack something. Jack, Jack Scott. Uh, oh, sorry. It's taking me a moment to pick out the middle uh, one. Jupiter Hadley, Markiplier, Maximilian Drood, Polygon. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh Waypoint and what good games? Or sorry, what's good games? Um as far as I know, Jack Septica is the biggest one on the list, mm-hmm. which probably means him, but I want what's good games to win it. And you would be wrong on both counts. Okay. Markiplier. Oh, Markiplier. I didn't know he Remember was... the tween vote. Yeah, oh yeah, good point. I didn't know he was that big of a streamer. I mean I know Markiplier is obviously a huge YouTuber. Okay, so let's see. Breakthrough Award, is that on here? I'm not seeing it. No, I'm not seeing it. So, Oh, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Oh, oh it is? Yep. Oh, at the very bottom, probably, right? It's next to the PC Game of the Year. Breakthrough yeah. Award. Although, I don't know who many of these people are. Yeah. Do you want to take a wild guess, then? Uh, uh, or Ash- just going down the list. Ash- Ashley Birch, uh, Brian, uh, Brendan Green, Cavalier Game Studios, Game Grumps, uh, Giant Sparrow, Infinite Fall, Melania Jenkins, uh, Nick P- uh, Popachek, Nina Freeman, and 
Smack Games. Smack Games. I mean, I don't know a lot of these. Um, the only one that I know of that's like new-ish this year is the person Ashley Birch. She's the like the head or the founder of What's Good Games. So mm-hmm. I mean, she's the only one I know. So I'm gonna go with her. Uh, yeah, and that's it. Oh wow, sweet. Uh, the, go, fact Ashley. That, the, the fact that I mean uh, breakthrough though, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know like Game Grumps and, but I mean, Breakthrough on them. Game Grumps have been around for forever. And let's see, Hall of Fame uh, is not listed. So, uh, Hall of Fame, uh, Final Fantasy went into the Hall of Fame. It makes sense. Which Final Fantasy? Seven? No, it just says Final Fantasy. Oh, okay. So, uh, either the very first or the series. So, the most wanted award. Award. Yeah. Here? Yeah, it's on here. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, Call of Duty World War 2, uh, because, you know, games that are now out, uh, makes sense. Death Standing, Far Cry 5, God of War, also known as Dad of War, Metro uh, uh, Exodus, Metroid Prime 4, Ooplets, Red Dead Redemption 2, Sea of Thieves, Spider-Man, Star Wars Battleground 2. <laughs> uh, sorry. And The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, I have no idea. Um, I mean, obviously, I'll make a guess. Let me sit here and talk myself through a couple of them. Um, I mean, Call of Duty World War 2 and Battlefront 2 have Are both came out. out. Have yeah. both came out. Uh, so did Last of Us Part... Wait, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. I'm thinking of the shoot whatever the dlc was that came out for nathan drake uncharted um death stranding people are really cla- were really clamoring for that earlier in the year just because of the matchup there mm-hmm. far cry 5 did that then, come out? uh no idea i was just seeing what ooblets is because i don't recognize the name but that's from double fine i mean i'm gonna go with what i think should be called the rule of nintendo and say metroid prime 4 and wrong. Okay. What? Last Wait. of Us Part. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say I'll, I'll make a second guess, but that's fine. I, my, Last I, of Us my Part second, Two. Yeah, my second guess would probably be Red Dead Redemption Two, so I got it wrong twice. Yeah. And let's see the last one. Uh, oh, well, sorry. Next. Well, there's one other one, but yeah. Uh, the Still Playing Award. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's here. Yeah. It uh, Diablo Three. Eve Online, FIFA 17, Final Fantasy 14, uh, Hearthstone, Minecraft, Overwatch, Pokemon Go. Uh, does that count as a game? Oh, sorry. Uh, Pro Evolution Soccer 2017, Rocket League, The Elder Scrolls Online, and World of Tanks. Uh, yeah, based on the games on this list, it's probably between Minecraft and World of Tanks, just because of how popular they are. Maybe FIFA 17? I would also put Pokemon Go on it since they just uh, were having a uh, event recently. Yeah, I suppose. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm actually going to say World of Tanks. That's it. Woo! And I don't think this last one is here. The Outstanding Contribution to the UK Gaming Industry. Yeah, that one's not here. Yeah, and I have no idea who this is. Uh... Debbie Bestwick, uh, uh, B, uh, MBE. So Debbie you did really well. Bestwick. That, for some reason, that sounds familiar to me. I'm going to Google her really quick. 
co-founder of uh, Team 17. Okay, that is where I... And uh, MBE is Order of the British Empire, so she's been knighted? Or, or close to it? But co-founder of Team 17, so... That makes sense. Even though uh, Team 17 pretty much just worms these days, right? Or, or, or am I thinking of something else? No, they're worms. Um... I don't know, but I recognize them for worms. Yeah, I mean, they that's a lot of worms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, looks like they were responsible for Overcooked and Ukulele. Ah, all right. Well, at least one of those was good. What? <laughs> uh, just your, your wit, sir. So I had, like, what, an 85, 90% yeah. hit rate? Granted, so, granted you usually... T- uh, Got them down to one or two options. Yeah, I mean, some of a them, lot of these are just yeah trash. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of them are really obvious too. Yeah, and just going with uh, the popular vote because yeah, it's more the uh, judgment of the masses, not what's actually good. Because really, would you give PC Game of the Year to Player Unknown's Battlegrounds? Hell no, definitely <laughs> not. I mean, I voted in the Golden Joysticks because I like to. I wonder if I can see my votes anywhere. Probably not, but for I think PC game of the year, I would have said out of the list, uh, probably Dream Daddy. Some of that's personal preference, and some of that is it's just really nice to start seeing games that address other orientations and other lifestyles. Because you're a gay dad, mm-hmm. or you're, you're a gay guy who's interested in dads. And that's pretty cool. Like, it's just nice to see that be accepted and successful. I mean, most of the games on the list are pretty good. Planet Coaster, I think, has got a shot. West of Loathing has a shot. I'm a little uh, disappointed that, well, I don't think uh, uh, Destiny Original Sin 2 was on the list, was it? Uh, You mean Divinity? Uh, Yeah, Divinity, sorry. I don't, no, it wasn't. Not for PC game. It was on, I think, the Game Awards. Divinity 2 was. Yeah, but the fact that it's down on here, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a bit extremely popular. I mean, yeah. hell, it's the top seller, uh, well, one of the top sellers right now. And I imagine uh, we're going to see uh, the expansions uh, or the expansion to Civ 6 uh, next year because that shit was just announced. Yeah. So, yep, those are the golden joysticks. Man, I f- I'm feeling good. That was, an, that was a good ego booster. I can correctly identify industry trends and yeah and be disgusted about them most of them some of them i wasn't so disgusted by i mean breath of the wild was a pretty good game based on what i know about it um horizon zero dawn was a good game based on what i know about it so i'm glad that those games won some awards i'm really sad that player unknowns battlegrounds won awards but you know at least now we can criticize them and they can't say oh but we're in early access. Yeah, well, you've won awards, so. Well, tough. they even uh, a player unknown himself actually came out and was talking about. I'm not sure if we deserve a, you know, uh, awards. <laughs> yep, and good on them, but they still won them, so they have to deal with it. So, should we uh, quickly go through community corner? I uh, don't think we're going to hit discovery queue again this time. Indeed, let us go to community corner. Did we have any tweets? You nope. Okie dokie. So this week's question of the week is one... Hang on, I got a train inbound. Uh, Go ahead and uh, do the uh, question and 
All right, this week's question of the week is one that is pretty much hot off the presses. Uh, I had someone ask me about it over Thanksgiving, so just a few days ago. Um, And they said, or their question is, you've talked about achievements before and how Steam games with thousands of them are really silly, but what do you think about them in general? Are they a good thing or a bad thing, and why? And that question was submitted to me by Movalex on my Steam friends list. And yes. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, the, I, I, I think they're both a good and a bad thing. Uh, yet, if they're used right, they can be good. They could uh, kind of nudge a player into a different play style to try to 100% or platinum or whatever the hell you want to call it, a game. But at the same time, they can be spoilers. They can uh, just break the flow of the game. You know, have, you know, John, uh, a good guitar riff as, you know, you uh, unload a load of lumber in <laughs> tires, for example. <laughs> yeah. I like those, though, but. Yeah, but, you know, you're you. They're silly and over the top, and I like that. Uh, but I understand that they are a very powerful tool for game devs because they could be tied in and you could see exactly who is doing what without having to do some other sneaky and possibly, you know, legal or semi-legal, semi-illegal, depending on what you do with the end-user agreement, uh, data mining from uh, actual players. You could see, okay, well, there's a huge drop-off between level three and level four on people completing it. Why? And try to figure it out. Try to hone in on a potential design problem that you didn't catch because you spent a lot of time with the game. So in that, they're amazing because they're an extra metric for game devs to try to sort out exactly what is going on with their games. But then you run into things where you know, there's blatant story spoilers. It, it could spoil upcoming games because you know, the uh, Steam achievements uh, get posted or you know, somebody data mines uh, the achievements and what they do. So there, it's a double-edged sword, really. I think that, that there can be some negatives to them, but overall that they're a good thing. Um, and, and, you know, as long as it's not, here's 5,000 achievements for you or whatever. <laughs> because, one, they uh, provide additional sort of completion milestones for people who really like games or who are completionists, um, providing something that we talked about earlier, like rewarding you for suboptimal levels of play in order to do something specifically because gamers tend to be... Um, you know, they either seek out the greatest reward or just min-max to get the most, you know, efficient whatever, depending on what the game is. So rewarding players for doing things a little bit differently or weirdly can definitely break up gameplay and add a new level of completion to it. Also, there's sort of like a, a competitive tool for single player because you can go to your friends and like, oh, hey, you played whatever game. Did you get this achievement? Oh, no, you didn't? Well, that's, you know, haha, I got this one. Now you should try and get it too. Or whatever, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of ways you can go with it. And I I don't like that there's, like, some number tied to it. Like, I used to be a big fan of Gamerscore when I was in, like, high school and early college. And I was like, yeah, I've got, like, a kajillion Gamerscore. Woo! But then you realize that it just really is tied to the number of games you played. Right. And I played a lot of games, so I had a lot of Gamerscore. I didn't really complete very many of them. I only have, like, 500%ed games across all platforms I've ever played, like, achievement-wise. But... You know, it's just a little extra thing for people to compare when they talk about games. Um, 
which, you know, can be good or bad, but I think most of the time it's good because I always just had like, you know, little friendly competition with my friends. Like, oh, I got this achievement. It's really tough to get. Um, yeah, well, then... it would be interesting. Hang on. Uh, go to your Steam profile and okay. go into uh, uh, edit profile and add uh, achievement uh, showcase rarest achievements. Well, let's have a little competition. <laughs> I think I actually already have that on my Steam profile. Ah, uh, well, then check. Yeah, you know, just what's your rarest achievements? The percentage. Okay, um, no, I don't. I don't yeah, I see that. my top six and uh, four of them are Warframe. Right, I'm still getting there. But yeah, there, there's a definite uh, competition element, and that really feeds into things as well. And all right, I, rarest achievements. Uh, they're all from different games. So two percent of players have this. It's from Sanctum. It's called Geddon. Orion Prelude, two percent of players have that one. Uh, Train Simulator, two percent of, of players course. have this. War Thunder U.S. Collection, two percent. Divinity Original Sin Kingdom Come, two percent of players have this. Oh, two percent! Wow. Axel. That, that, that's actually that's Driver. pretty low. Three percent of players have this. So you ready for mine? Yeah, sure. Okay, Warframe Pest Control, zero point four four percent. Uh, Warframe uh, Planes Prospector 0.87. Uh, Robot Roller Derby Disco Dodgeball 1% for Around the World. Warframe uh, The Eightfold Path 1%. Torchlight uh, 1. Uh, the Horse Whisperer 1%. And Warframe Champion of the People 1%. Nice. It says I have one perfect game. It says I have two. I did have three before, so. I, well, I did lose uh, the original Binding of Isaac because they added more achievements after I beat the game and 100%ed it. And I know Poker Knight was one. I can't go see what game I have that has Yeah, that's irritating. One. But, yeah, you know, it does add a layer, layer of competition and be able to at least on Steam, set up your showcase to show, ah, I got this achievement in having the achievement showcase uh, in your uh, profile. It definitely adds to it, you know? Yeah. Granted, some people just spell out rude things with all the letters, but eh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of course they do. Um, But yeah. <clears throat> Overall, I think achievements are a good thing. Um. Like you said, also, I didn't even think of that as part of my original answer. You know, companies or developers being able to get info about their games without having to do things like, you know, spy on their players or collect shady data. They can just see what achievements that players have completed and then work out why. Um, I also think that they can add interesting little bits to games, too, like... Um, Crackdown 2, every time you got an achievement, the announcer guy would go, now that's an achievement, with his announcer voice. And, like, that sounds kind of silly if you haven't played Crackdown 2, but Crackdown 2 is a super silly, over-the-top game, and you're like, ha-ha, that's right, I did get an achievement, announcer man. So, that well, was still nice. my favorite uh, part of achievements is Portal 2. Yeah, that was a good one. But, it, like you said, achievements can spoil things, um... I think that that really only happens when they're lazily done. I mean, you yeah, can... Grand, there there is ways to hide achievements uh, in Steam, but you still could go to the global list and see uh, p potential spoilers. 
but it really depends on you know what they put in as the labels and that really comes down to really a game developer caring yeah and if they just put in achievements because yeah people demand it they may just lap them in or they may just make a game that's a crappy platformer with 5,000 achievements <laughs> yeah they might do that uh, well Team Fortress did an interesting thing with their achievements uh well, at least originally in Team Fortress, uh, weapon unlocks were tied to your achievements, and each class had a set of achievements as their uh, class updates came out. So completing a certain number of the achievements would unlock a, a updated weapon. And some of them could be you know, huge upgrades and some uh, very powerful things, like, uh, let's go uh, heavy, since that's what I typically played towards the end of uh, TF2. Um uh, Iron Curtain, take a thousand points of damage in a single life. With a, a good heavy, could easily do that. Uh, Marksman, uh, kill ten enemies in midair with the minigun. Uh, Rasputin, in a single life, get shot, burned, bludgeoned, and receive explosive damage. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. And uh, completing different milestones. Uh, let's see. Uh, 22 out of 36, or sorry, 30. Yeah, 36, or sorry, 38. I have 36 completed. Uh, 38 achievements uh, gave uh, the third weapon and the various milestones. Uh, uh, yeah. The first one's only 10, and that's not too hard. And that's an interesting way to handle their unlocks before they started going loot crate. Right. That makes sense. But, yeah. Overall, I think achievements are a good thing. Um, I don't really know if there's anything else to add to it. When they're done lazily or poorly or just tacked on, no good. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't even be there. But when they're done properly, they can add a lot to the game, giving an additional set of completion for players, uh, encouraging different styles of gameplay. Grand, sometimes they can be just obscenely annoying. Yeah. Like, well, another Team Fortress 2 one is for the replay system. Uh, they tied some of them to, directly to YouTube views. So you upload a video and hope it gets enough views. <laughs> right. I I hate when achievements are tied to multiplayer. I think achievements should be a single player thing only. Just because there's so many multiplayer achievements that you just can't get. Especially in older games when achievements mm-hmm. were first becoming a thing. Like in the old uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter or something like that. And a lot of other multi- you know games with multiplayer components. It's like, be the top on the leaderboard. Uh, well, there's only going to be a few people who are able to get that, ever. Yeah. Or uh, another annoying one is play with the devs. Yeah. Granted, I do like whenever they set it up or play with the dev or play with someone that has played the, with the dev. Yeah, the, a viral achievement type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, well, Team Fortress 2 is also a good example of this, is uh, achievements with very specific uh, unlocks or things that are actively detrimental to gameplay. Like, well, another heavy one, one that one of the few I don't have, is taunt while you're invulnerable, which is wasting the uh, Uber charge. You know, provide an enemy with a freeze cam shot of you taunting while invulnerable. That's just a dick move, honestly. Yeah. And there's also some that, in order to unlock them, they have to be either just cheesed, you have someone uh, actively uh, working with someone else, or 
yeah, you know, just pure luck because some of them are kill a certain enemy while they're using a certain weapon that may or may not be, uh, you know, uh, very useful to them. And that's, you know, just getting a little obnoxious. But my biggest one is for especially multiplayer that has achievements, which multiplayer games that have achievements are perfectly fine. It's just, you know, when they get obnoxious or when they get in the way of gameplay. To me, you should be able to get a good chunk of the achievements just by playing well. I agree. You know, uh, know, like, you know, sapping a thousand buildings as a spot. You know, that's something that you'll eventually get. But, you know, things where you're having to just waste people's time or be uh, after detriment to the team is just terrible. Yeah. I think that most achievements, well, not most, maybe like around 50% of the achievements you should get if you complete the game. And then the rest of them can sort of be ramped up in difficulty in terms of completion. I also like the uh, the idea of negative achievements. They, not necessarily that they give like anything negative, but you only unlock them by doing something like poorly. <laughs> I, 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 there was a uh, few T- Xbox games I remember having them. TF2 actually has one of those for the sniper. It's, uh, let's see, I believe it's getting backstabbed a hundred times. I don't play Sniper, so I don't have it. I'm looking for it. Uh, let's see, where is it? Yeah, Consolation Prize. Get backstabbed 50 times <laughs> while playing Sniper, which that's a direct counterclass to the Sniper. So, uh, yeah, that's something that uh, proves that you play Sniper a lot, but at the same time, something that you don't want. Right. Yeah, uh, I remember them being from the negative achievements. I remember were in Command and Conquer three on Xbox, and I, I forget what it was that you had to do to earn them, but they were worth zero, uh, zero gamer score, and it just showed that you screwed something up and lost terribly. Is there one for FTL uh, where you die during the tutorial? I do not know. I can't remember if the FTL has proper achievements or not. No, it does not. But it may, it may be an in-game achievement. But it doesn't have the Steam achievement system. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, overall, we think achievements are mostly good and they can do some bad things, but... It all comes down to a game design. Right. Awesome. So time well, to start wrapping things up because we are rapidly running out of time. Yep, we're hitting our heart out, so... Yeah, we're going to have to figure out a way to, around this, really. Well, we had a couple of extended breaks today. Yeah, true. This recording, so we lost a little bit of time, but no time for that. Uh, finding me in places on the internet. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist, uh, where I put all my videos at, and what's coming up on my channel? Uh, I don't know right now. My brain is elsewhere. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. Uh, if you want to watch me stream games, which streams are coming back, we now have worked out a regular schedule. That is Katie and I, um, or, or she has. So I now have guaranteed times in the evenings. Fridays and Saturdays are still out just because of her schedule. But uh, there are five other nights, well, four, uh, podcast nights on Tuesday nights. So there are four other nights of the week which we could do stream night on. Uh, I'll take this week to receive feedback from people, but your choices are Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. And Les Rage, you want to go back to recording Divinity on Sundays. 
Well, we do need to sit down and figure that out. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and submit feedback. And if everyone happens to say Sunday and we say we're going to re- record on Sunday, I'll just say that and we'll pick a different day. But streams will be coming back soon. Let Make your feedback known. Otherwise, we'll just work it out amongst ourselves and pick a day. And you'll. All and right. then my stream uh, on Twitch, I don't know if I said this, twitch.tv slash jrthor4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam and send me questions or just chat with me, you can do so by sending me a friend request. My Steam username is jrthor4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is lollygag. <laughs> lollygag. Oh, so... Uh, my channel is still very light in content because, well, honestly, YouTube uh, uh, hitting me with the uh, demonetization thing really put the wind down my sails because I had to, well, I didn't have to, but I pulled the series because that got completely marked. So I've been uh, in the process of trying to figure out what I wanted to do because, yeah, that's... It been very challenging actually trying to figure that one out. I've had two false starts so far. Just one thing not playing well with my recording software and another where I was interested in playing it, but I didn't think it would make a good video because I just was trying. I was like, you know, at least the very beginning of this is very boring. And I'm not sure how much I could do with this. So I'm still working on that. RimWorld... I'm going to uh, mod the ever-living hell out of this week and see if I could uh, keep it from breaking. So I'm hoping to start up, well, start my recording next week and maybe make uh, my uh, Friday release on that. We'll have to see on that. And Divinity really depends on Jared Yo getting his life in order. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Uh, uh, Sunday Sampler I ended up just skipping this week because... Well, I tried both Sim Airport and, uh, and I'm blanking on the other one now. <laughs> Don't sink. And, you know, neither really felt like they were far enough along to do a video on. So I ended up skipping a week because, yeah, that sometimes happens with the Sunday sampler. It's very volatile. But if you wish to see, you know, when content actually appears on my channel, you can find me Gaming with Caffeine Rage on the YouTubes or see me tweet somewhat randomly on the Twitter Gaming with CR. Uh, just today I was talking about, do I really need a Humble Bundle with half a dozen uh, various flavors of F1 racing? Yes. Humble mm, Bundle not. and your Steam Discovery queue from a, a few weeks ago. Thanks, you do. <laughs> well, I respectfully disagree. Because <laughs> I, I really don't think I need that many. I don't think I need any, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but if you were to tell us uh, that we I do need that many, you can tweet us, VGO Podcast on Twitter, or just email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com, and scare the ever-living hell out of the moths. If you would still to pay for this absolute madness, you can do so, patreon.com slash podcast. And I did notice that we did just get our uh, yearly update on uh, Podbean. Yes, we did. So thank you very much for supporting our podcast. Yeah, that is greatly appreciated. It does help uh, both, you know, get our uh, feed a lot more stable than it used to be and a little bit of advertising here and there. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at 
and Computech.com. Oh, wait, I skipped the uh, RSS feed, didn't I? <laughs> yes. I, I did mention Podbeam, but I did say it was uh, vglpodcast.podbeam.com. And you can find us on iTunes and Google Play as well. And the show notes uh, should be around there somewhere. On the ground, Kevin Galloyd uh, and Computech.com. <laughs> as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. You saw nothing. I did not screw that up completely. <laughs> I'll edit around it. Or not. No, you won't. You're right, I won't. Bye-bye.